Hi, hello, welcome to Cosmic Children. Uh, I'm Nick, and with me here I have Kevin and Choan. <laughs> right. Okay. So uh, today we have Choan, who's going to talk to us a little bit about what he does. And uh, Martin, would would you like to introduce yourself? Hi. Hi, guys. <laughs> Hi, okay, I'm Chuan. Um, my real name is Martin Hong, uh, but that's like my Monica alias nickname, whatever you call it. So um, I'm a filmmaker and a commercial director. So uh, that means my day job, I'm prostituting myself to commercial jobs. Mm. Holler, mm. like to all the advertising people, <laughs> what up? Um, and then obviously my, um, my night job or whatever on the side, I do passion projects like music videos, short films and... Yeah, like like other content, basically stuff or like installation stuff, stuff that I want to do and that um in causes that I believe in, um and yeah, those so those are mostly self funded projects lah. Yeah, so that's how I balance my life. Right, so that's very interesting. Um, I think for today's episode, we wanted to talk particularly under the premise of having both Chowan and Martin Hong. And kind of like what it means, and if 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 you were to you know kind of introduce the two, how how would you do it? Mm, introduce the tour, okay. Like I guess like the easier segmentation of it is Martin Hong. Uh, that's the name that most people are used to in terms of uh, advertising and commercial end. And then Chuan, okay, Chuan to be honest is still pretty new. Like it's been less than I think it's only been like three four months since I launched it. So um, I think I'm still in the process of like figuring out what. Chuan is because it slowly develops but what it started out being was it's supposed to be this like anonymous um, faceless sort of name that I guess just does whatever the fuck he wants and I, I think Chuan represents the side of me that I was always like afraid to put out <laughs> and like I guess um, yeah and, and, and I guess because of, of my, my name being in the commercial world as well and wanting to balance that out so um, coming out of Chuan uh, there were a couple of reasons why I started it so one of the reasons was, uh, yeah, I wanted to do my, my own kind of work and some of the stuff maybe delves into a little bit more controversial um, topics or like maybe controversial in Singapore. Yeah. Maybe it's not controversial yeah. <laughs> globally. Yeah, like like LGBT content yeah. and things like that. So, uh, but at the same time, I knew that uh, my day job, I need my bread and butter commercial jobs. You know what I mean? So that was how I, I decided to, you know what, let me like, like when I just come up with a separate name, then I don't have to park my McDonald's ads under mm. <laughs> my under my, my Chua name. You know what I mean? I could pick and choose and I guess it was a more consistent sort of like um, a portfolio that I could segment and I guess it's a character that, that um, I, I could create a bit more cohesively with Chuan. So that was one reason. Another reason, but this was pretty recent, was because, um, so I, I, I did this, um, like uh, this LGBT like short film thing last year. Um, I actually reached out to, there's this local menswear brand called Authority. Yeah. So um, I know them as friends. Lah. So I reached out to them and then I told them, like, um, I, I wanted to do a short film with them. As in, like, and I knew they stood behind LGBT causes yeah. because the year before, I think they did a Pink Dot video as well. Gotcha. So, um, I thought that, so I thought it was a good chance. I pitched it to them. They liked it. So I scripted uh, this short film with them, obviously showcasing the, the menswear, the, the clothes, and like creating um, a sort of short film around the, the, the fashion label and around that that branding so when that video sorry so yeah the, there are a lot of things into that short film but when the short film was released um, don't ask me why it went viral in Vietnam so mm -hmm. and then it picked up a lot of like views online and I didn't realise how big it was um, until my dad 
one night after shoot, <clears throat> when I came home, okay, sorry, my dad's a pastor. Yeah. So I'm not going to name my dad because like, <laughs> yeah, he's going to kill me. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> so um, <clears throat> yeah, my dad's a pastor. So uh, when I, I came back home and he's like, oh, you know, like Martin, we need to sit down and talk. And so like, I was like, okay. So I was, I was so worried because he sounded so serious. Yeah. And then um, he showed me this text, this WhatsApp text that um, another like um, church elder had um, sort of showed him and that that text was to do with the short film that day because um, because it went viral and people watching it. So they were asking him, did your son do this? And so obviously it was a very big thing because my dad being a pastor and being like a poster face of a poster boy of like the, the, the church or... Yeah, yeah it, it, he has a lot of responsibilities in that sense. And um, on, on one hand, I know that because my dad's always been a pastor like since I, as in, since I grew up. So I'm used to him having that sort of responsibility but I think this was the first time I was forced to confront like you know hey okay this is me as an adult making my own decisions doing yes. what I want to do and my dad also obviously um, him being like him wanting to be a pastor since he was young um, and like doing whatever he does because he believes in it there's a direct conflict of interest mm. so and uh, literally whatever I create would whatever I create our passion would hinder his work that he's doing our passion as well so that was a very difficult situation to navigate around but um, I guess with my mind already on with my mind already on the, the choice and a separate identity then I was like you know what dad okay like I'm sorry dad for this and, and this thing but this is something I really believe in and I will continue to make works like that but maybe a compromise is I'll just do it under a separate name you know under mm. a faceless name and like then you your name will get implicated and I was really going to start a separate name anyway so that was I guess the perfect opportunity and my dad was happy with that so that was the second reason why Chuan actually started la. So, so the need for this dual identity thing it started was was the need kind of bubbling as you were doing the commercial works, and this was the, the 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 kick for you to actually start it, or um, in terms of the passion projects, you mean? Yeah. Or the 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 identity of Chowan. Oh, the, yeah, yeah, definitely. So I mean, I I've only been advertising like maybe three and a half years, which isn't a lot. Yeah, it's like a baby, I've been yeah. yeah yeah sorry like a baby yeah uh, yeah I know pretty much yeah I mean I've been in film since I was fifteen and I was more used to uh, I came from the film uh, short film festival circuit so that was something I was more used to so I guess when um, I entered advertising you know you hear a lot of people warning you about it like mm. oh you're gonna <laughs> sell especially for creatives or artists like yeah you're gonna sell your soul it's gonna be crazy and then you're like okay you know like I, I to be honest I, I tried to prep myself as much as I could during uni like I was really doing commercials because I knew that the day would come when I would have to bend over and get fucked over yeah. by, by a major corporation as in to do with what they wanted um, and I guess no matter how much I prep myself it, it, it still got to me like I guess um, and the idea that um, I guess when you care so much about something as in for people uh, like us when um, when your work is more than just money you know what mm. I mean then um, it's, it's something that I, I guess would affect you no matter what no matter how much you try and prep yes, yourself yes. it will always affect you so um, I guess in that some in, in, in that sense because I had to deal with that um, the idea of Chuan became almost like a century because I was like mm. you know what it's okay like you can do it like I could comfort myself or like I don't know lie or <laughs> delude yeah. myself that you know like I had the separate identity it's okay as long as I have that and I put effort into that and that remains untouched and sacred then and, and then whatever happens in my day job you know what I mean yeah. like it, it happens for that reason for whatever reason I mean you are getting paid for a reason you don't get paid to do what you want exactly. or at least not, not for advertising yeah so then at least if I've chosen I always have something to come back to uh, at, at the end of the day so it's kind of I guess it's it's like going to war but then you come back and you have a good relationship a nice you know a yeah. nice cat at home that you, that, that, that you can pet that and, you can yeah. pet and that, that snuggles out of you and that, that I guess was the comfort of what Chuan uh, became I guess yeah, yeah. so, so um, building off from this what would you say is the first project that Chuan did 
First project. Okay, so the first project... Okay, <clears throat> I, I actually punked a couple of passion projects under there, but the first official project that I worked on under the Chua name uh, was an installation I did with GFS. Mm. So it was just this year. So actually, yeah, it's just like a couple of months back. So it's pretty new. So that was the first time... Um, a corporation sort of like or I mean a body sort of like came to me and they commissioned me uh, a piece of work meaning that they said just do whatever you want within this team I mean because for films like or for music videos like we work we have to usually we work the artist or there's some kind of a brief or even for personal projects like there is some kind of a, a very rough guideline but this was the first time like just do whatever you want mm. under this very very loose team but like yeah so that um that, that project is called oh my god what is it called it's called uh we are still here. Yeah. Yeah. So that that yeah. So it was um it was a video installation to do with uh, four different uh, four screens uh, that were uh, laid out in a vertical format, and um, I had a minute basically to like do something with it lah. So that was the that that was what uh, GFS provided me. Yeah. To do actually it wasn't just GFS. It was under Facebook as well. So yeah. Mm. But that, yeah, that was the first project. Mm. Was it um. Do you actually prefer when someone comes to you with an open brief or do you prefer something more structured? Because uh, we, we've talked to people before trying to balance uh, commercial projects, artistic projects. We've talked to Len, Len Chai before and she said she prefers uh, the, the more structured approach of a commercial project. So mm. I'd like to know your, your, your thoughts about it. Um, I guess for... For Chuan, things are still pretty new because I, I'm, I'm, I guess because it's a very new identity. Um, but even way before Chuan uh, began, before before I entered advertising, um, I was, I guess, when I entered film, I mean, the, the reason why I entered film um, at when I was 15 yeah. was, uh, it sounds so lame and so angsty and it's like some chemical romance song. But like, it started with a lot of like angst and mm. like, I guess like, <clears throat> I was that lame, but I was that overweight, tough club, socially awkward kid that just couldn't really like, I, I don't know, couldn't really... Um, gel socially and art was sort of like a way for me to express mm. um, and maybe not art but maybe more specifically film yeah. became a very like good medium for me to keep track of all my experiences or the struggles I was having so I guess from that end um, I started making films because it came from a very personal place so I think that is something that I guess I will always go back to um, with the idea that if someone gives me that space of a, of just doing whatever I want I, I, I like to tap to that because then I guess that, that goes back to a more personal um place in my childhood or mm. why I entered film uh, but that being said I mean uh, after I entered advertising when like um, structured briefs come to you it's not a bad thing also as in like it's 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 nice sometimes to have some kind of a, a guideline mm. and a structure because I think film or art it's so open-ended it's so broad yeah, it's so that, fast yeah, yeah and, and, and especially now when like with, with this kind of technology where like you have installations or like you have 4K VR you know what yeah. I mean with technology there's so many possibilities even for film like and, and, and I, I have to mention that because I guess for film for the longest time was just like against the screen you know what I mean mm. but now that you're expanding into like cyberspace or like Facebook live and all this kind of stuff there's a lot more possibilities for film and I guess sometimes like yeah maybe maybe sometimes something with a loose brief isn't that bad like to, to fall into yeah so in terms of personal preference I don't know I, I feel that the, the open the open brief thing maybe is just more nostalgic for me mm. and then the structure one maybe is something that I'm a bit more used to because of advertising recently la. gotcha so, yeah I'm just curious a bit about because um, you you mentioned that you 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 got in touch with film and filmmaking at 15. So I'm just curious to know what was the first instance you remember something you watched, something someone showed you. How did you get your start like that? 
Right. Um, the, uh, the, the, there, was this, there was this article that said like a lot of uh, no they said like all Singaporean filmmakers start off from Wong Kar Wai okay. <laughs> and it's so true <laughs> as in like it's like the whole like oh, I'm not a hipster that kind of thing but it, it's oh, I true actually, I actually don't know who that is so could, oh, okay, okay. Could, could you tell me yeah oh, okay okay so um, Wong Kar Wai is a, it's a Hong Kong filmmaker yeah. um, he, he, he okay his most famous films are like In the Mood for Love uh, Chongqing Express 2046 um, what uh Happy Together, um, Grandmaster. So he, I guess uh, he was a very big filmmaker um, internationally because he was one of the few people that put like that almost like a very exotic Asian style in cinema. Mm. As in, and, 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 and within, I mean, he, he was famous through like, I think in European film festivals and things like that. So um, I guess, uh, I'm guessing why that critic said that about Singapore filmmakers because it's very, I guess he's one of the pioneer people that, that made Asian um that, that made Asians in cinema so like cinematic or exotic. You mm. know what I mean? He was one of the few like like that was very prominent. So I watched his films when I, I found out about his films when I was 15 or when, when I was just learning like video. It wasn't even films at that point. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. handy, handy cam <laughs> era. Yeah. So, and then when I saw his stuff, I think that really just um, pushed me over to the edge in terms of what, um, how films or can be constructed I guess because like when you're 15 I mean you've definitely watched movies before you know what I mean mm-hmm. you've definitely seen like Disney and you've watched music videos music video yeah. TVCs you know what I mean? that was MTV era so you're definitely already exposed to videos but I guess Wong Kai Wai for me was the first time that I it made it, it bridged the wall of video and art for me I guess or like oh, or wow. film and art yeah so and like I remember like the first film I watched that really shook me was 2046 yeah. which wasn't even his it wasn't even like his most famous work at that point yeah, yeah it was more yeah so I watched that and then the first time I I was like, what the hell, like, hell is this? Like, like it's strange because I'm not used to it. And then when the second time I watched it, I'm like, oh my god, like this is everything. Yeah. When you say you're not used to it, what do you mean by that? Okay, so I think like in terms of um, two zero four six specifically has a very like non-linear narrative structure, mm. and um, it's kind of I don't know if they consider an ensemble cast, but like basically there there are some main threads of certain characters, but there are a lot of different characters that intercuts, and some of them have no history. They they don't even build up who these people are, but they just come and go, come and go. Um, and I I guess uh, maybe when I researched, I mean when I watched it the first time, I was like, huh, what is this? But when I watched it the second time, I guess maybe with a more open mind. Um, there was the, there were things within the abstraction of the film that hit me, which I knew that if it was a very if it was a very linear narrative, it wouldn't have worked. And oh. it's it's very strange to describe that because I guess I'm so used to like very traditional. I mean, at that point, very traditional film structure. Disney being you know what I mean, yeah. like start struggle and that kind yes. of thing, and then musical numbers along the way and yes. stuff like yeah. Like I was used to that. So reaching reaching a point where you're like, where is this character coming from? They come enter leave come enter leave, and like there's no logical explanation of why they're there. But at the end of the film, you cannot help but feel that this lingering characters had some kind of impact on you or on the main character and then you start to question oh my god what is happening like mm. so that was where the intrigue started like, mm. I guess yeah and yeah I, I guess that was I think that that abstraction in film obviously if I, I guess if you go online you read a lot of film critics and stuff yes. everyone is just struggling to interpret um, what that means to them and obviously it's it, because it's somewhat abstract right uh, it becomes a lot more personal mm. for people because it's no longer this is this but like what from your experience of relationship it's a projection yearning, onto yeah, it yeah. exactly and you feel I guess when, when, when that happens you feel more involved or at least for me I did with that I, I felt more involved the ambiguity of the film but so that's when I, I realised yeah that, that this is what cinema can do you know what I mean so leading, leading on to that um, based on your your interpretation of whatever you've seen um, how how did you move into learning the process of creating that your own film? 
Right. So um, when I started, it was 15. I was 15, right? So um, I started because it was a video workshop. They gave like a one-week course. So it was, it was a handicap. Like yeah. Wow. Like, no, like, and you can imagine like the first the first time you're holding a handicap. It was like th- this year of like the first time you hold a phone. We were filming like Matrix shit. And stuff. <laughs> yeah. oh, was this like, like early 2000s? Uh, when I was 15, it was 2005, I think. Gotcha. Yeah, 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 early, okay. yeah. So like Matrix shit and then like a bunch of like stupid boys throwing yeah. flowers. and like, <laughs> Yeah, it's that kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, that, that was a very superficial level. But I guess once, once um after that, when I started reading up more about films and when I hit 2046 and then I just went crazy. I was just like, oh my God, I need to know everything about that. And at that point when I was 15, um we didn't have YouTube or Daily Motion yep. or anything like yep. that. Yeah, yep. it wasn't it wasn't around yet. Because uh, I, I remember because back then, um learning about film and it, it was only a one week course right so mm. on that technical, technical aspect I did not know that film was so that you needed a film crew I didn't even know what a film crew was I didn't know mm. what a softbox was or stuff or even when I read about it yeah I, I didn't know the full extent so I learned a lot of it through going to like public libraries to go and read books and like I, I like I think like the current generation should be this. I sound so old when I say this, but the current generation should be so grateful that like YouTube exists because like it's so difficult to learn lighting from a book. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know what I mean? When you're reading like and then oh this is uh, what what f stop and then is it uh, yeah, too uh, technical? Or is it, too it, it is uh, uh, both actually because everything I mean you see in books right. So how do you tell what is uh what 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 do you mean by open up your aperture or what's f stop like uh, in images or even lights lighting like equipment you have to look in pictures. It's like crazy now in video you can just see what the effects are. You know this is this like this this and they show kind of you thing. like yeah instantly yeah instantaneous yeah. yeah so back then it, it yeah it was it was a lot more difficult um and and I guess um I I mean I was in secondary school and then I, I made a mistake of going to JC as well so oh, like dear. I didn't start like the technical film uh, aspect until uni or I mean a proper education uh. so a lot of things were like books and like just re- just watching yeah watching films at my own, like boring books or I remember like boring VHS tapes from uh, library uh, it was that 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 yeah YouTube wasn't around torrents weren't around stuff like that mm. so I guess that's where I picked up most of my knowledge back then which when I look back now it's like laughable like I was trying to construct my own soft boxes right so I get the A4 printer boxes the cardboard boxes that I put candles inside and then I put tracing paper over thinking it's going to light a whole scene yeah smart <laughs> did right did it burn like, the box or something no I think I, I burned my life like, no, <laughs> I don't know. It, it was so yeah it was so bad but I, I made obviously because I didn't have that the access to the knowledge and making mm. a lot of mistakes back then obviously helps in the growing process like. so it's painful but like I think at that point you don't really have those resources uh, not, not at least not publicly available yeah. So so looking back, um, what would you say was the one thing that kept you going? Was it curiosity or was it hunger? Or was it something else, a mix of everything? Because hmm. you, you started out doing uh, you started with a one week workshop and that and you watch and you watched twenty forty six, you watched all these films and it kinda of sparked your interest. So what kept you going? Um I probably a couple of reasons, but back then I, I think in secondary school, at least when I was fifteen, sixteen I remember because like um, after that video workshop, it was just one week, right? So uh, the next year we had an FYP, and then I remember like FYP, I was like, oh, "Fuck this video shit! I'm not gonna put like you know tracing paper in boxes. This is bullshit." Like, so I, I remember I was just I, I told myself I'm just gonna paint because I know I'm like I mean at that point I felt that like I was good at illustrating, I was good at painting, so that 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 will be my final work. And I remember like when I was exploring all these concepts of my own personal struggles and stuff, and I was just 
sketching all these different thumbnails of our painting were and I just knew that none of them could convey it properly and I was so angry mm. because I was like that voice in my head was like oh you know if it was in film it would work and I was like no I'm not going back to that oh. yeah and so like it kept coming until a point where I was so when I explored all these possible variations and like I was like I can't like I know that I'm being dishonest to myself if I explore this idea in a painting so I was like fuck this shit so I just dragged my yeah I dragged myself back into film I was like you know this if you want to be an artist and this is like this is how you know it's going to work like even if it's harder you have to do it and I think that decision maybe stuck with me for the rest of my life as in because it really I think it, it really taught me like the idea of like I mean film is difficult and film involves a lot of people but yes. the satisfaction and fulfillment you get out of it and I, for me at least and the ideas that I can express through moving images was something that I know cannot be done in any other medium mm. and I guess maybe knowing that kept me going in that medium yeah so maybe that, that was the main reason I guess yeah so, so what would you say, because I'm from a static visual medium, I illustrate and nick paints and do a bit of installation work. So what would you say is one of the perks of moving images? Um, I feel that for, imi- view, um, for moving images, okay, I mean, because I guess like a lot of people compare photography and film, right? That's yes. the more convenient. Yeah. Like, like, like if uh, you can do photography, maybe you can do film as well. Yeah, something like both that. like, uh, it's a still image and stuff like that. Mm, I guess for, uh, for, I mean, I can't speak for all filmmakers, but for personally for, for films, I guess um, with moving, I mean, I'm moving images, there's time. You know what I mean? So it's time-based. Time-based also meaning that there is some kind of a development that could happen. So I guess for films for me, that time-based um, sort of element or that development, I, I maybe I see it more like there's a potential for emotional development uh, within a way that it could be, it's sort of like you're like the, the captain of a ship. You can steer it towards that, you know what I mean? Towards those emotional developments that, um, it, I mean, regardless of how rigid or abstract you want it to be, there is a certain um, emotional aspect to that direction and I guess that maybe um, I mean yeah for me personally I guess film brought that element into into some uh, into that, that idea of self-expression that emotional development part that I guess wanting to make people feel how I felt I uh-huh. guess film felt like it connected for me I mean if I want to get very very technical into it it's like there are a lot of other things obviously like lighting visual music also because music is time based as well right and music is a very huge part of, of my films I guess so it it all came kind of came hand in hand I guess mm. yeah I mean I, I also have to say that actually before uh, because film I mean film and videos weren't that popular back then mm. yeah and or at least it wasn't accessible to the general public because that's way before yeah accessible like, is the word yeah. yeah because handicaps were so expensive at that point like, I remember I was so lucky because uh, my secondary school like was one of the few secondary schools that even had video equipment you know what I mean and that era it was not normal like, that is for, true yeah for a secondary yeah. school to invest in video equipment at that point and like if I didn't if I don't get it wrong like I think the figures were like um, I was from Victoria School gotcha. so they um, they invested like half a million in like film equipment and Mac computers and stuff like that which is crazy for like a government school if you think about it but I was just lucky yeah, yeah that, that so uh, that, that it came hand in hand they got so, you and it's paying off yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah no I, I always have to thank like my, my, was that my teacher that, that actually this guy Mr. shout out to Mr. Leong what up <laughs> okay, that, that brought me yeah, that, that really brought me down that, that path yeah, but um, I, I yeah, but anyway, sorry. I mean, getting back to the point about the 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 development part, um, I guess all those elements uh, resonated with me that um, I could communicate something effective, effectively, and I guess it clicked. Uh, so. I guess that's why I stuck with film as an ex compared to other uh, sort of mediums. As in, I still I still do draw and illustrate and stuff like that. But I guess maybe I'm too <laughs> I'm too used to like now now I've been like sort of like molded to the mindset of knowing what what that medium and the endless potentials it can do. And like I guess I wanting to keep exploring it. Do yeah. you see filmmaking and and moving images in general as an endless medium? 
Uh, yeah, definitely. I, I did think about it before. Like, like, I guess one of the reasons why I keep going into film is, uh, why I keep making films is because I felt that I haven't exploited all the possibilities of mm. it yet. Yeah. I mean, because even within films that like there's, I mean, there's feature films and then there's the series, you know what I mean? And then there's also video uh, installations like Bill Viola, Nam Jung Park. That's like a whole other ball. That's like more fine art. So it, like even with the realm of moving images, there's so many possibilities. And now you have VR, like VR films and things like that. It's like a whole other ball game. So, um, I think maybe the day when I like find out that there's no- nothing else I can do, I might try something else. You know what I mean? Because I think at the core of it, I'm still someone that or I would like to think of myself as like um, still wanting like to find the best way to express an idea. And I guess maybe a lot of my ideas have felt more cinematic, and that's why I went on that path. But cinematic, okay. Yeah, but I guess the day that if I run out run out of that, then maybe yeah, maybe I'll change something else. Like I, I I'm 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 not like closed off to that. I guess because mm. um, my relationship with fine art and stuff, I'm still yeah, I I, I still love like contemporary art and things like that. So. Um, yeah who knows so you're sort of pretty open minded <laughs> about the whole thing yeah I guess like like I mean art to me has a has a very special place in my, my heart so and, and growing up with it so I guess that has always made me pretty open to different mediums um, yeah and, and actually before even before film uh, because film at 15 yeah before that I was experimenting with a lot of different mediums really like, like I mean like it's, it may be school stuff but like illustration or animation or sculpture and things mm. like that yeah but yeah I guess film stuck Somehow, and, and film is, if you think about it, a like combination of a lot of different art mediums. That is true. Yeah, you talk about art, like even the art department, there's production design, you know what I mean? Um, there's, I mean, graphic design is definitely a part of yep. that, like Wes Anderson's graphic design is yeah. like super, you Stunning. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's, super, it's super like integral to the, the films. And then it combines music, where you have musicians as well. And then you have actors, which is like a bit of theater, costumes, which is fashion. It's like everything. So it feels quite all encompassing right mm-hmm. now, yeah, which I kind of like, I guess, yeah. So, and, and it feels like it combines all the best aspects of like fine art that I like and all the different mediums. Mm. So yeah, maybe that makes sense. Interesting. In yeah. Um, yeah. So actually, that's a good, really good point because I wanted to ask about what it's like working with multiple individuals, each of them having their own skill set and coming together and building one final outcome. Okay. I guess um, maybe to answer the easier part of the question, for advertising, I would just say it's pretty straightforward. You know what I mean? Because I mean, is that's, it really? Um, it, to me, it is lah. But uh, to me, it is because I mean, at the end of the day, it's not about um, it's not about any of us creative. Like, it's not about it's not about my. Um, it's not about what you want. Yeah, exactly. It's about what the client wants. You know what I mean? So so sad. Like no, no. But I mean, yeah, it's a reality. As in, you could have the best fashion designer. Mm. You know what I mean? You could you could have Jean Paul Gaultier, and then you're for McDonald's, and you just get a T-shirt. You know what I mean? As in, like it. Okay, so I, I don't mean to shame McDonald's. McDonald's I love you I still eat you every night but yeah as in like it's not really about what um, the creatives can do but what um, I guess the client wants so that, that I'll just put that aside because that's, that's pretty straightforward but for maybe for passion projects um, I would say a lot of a director's role is about managing um, people and managing people I, I mean like more like um, because you bring together all these different um, like extremely talented creatives right and they all have their own history their yes. own perspective yes. on, on art design and their own expertise as well and um, I guess as a director you're sort of like the only one that can visualize the, the, the end product and where all these sort of puzzle pieces come together so you, I have seen projects where you have so they have such a talented department like so many talented departments and the whole thing could still crumble because it's not that they're not talented it's just that somehow it just doesn't fit together so I mean and, and I feel that's a director's responsibility on like that it's your job as a director to make sure that all these parts that are maximized like all these people's talents are maximized as much as you know to showcase the best of what they can do in one work mm. so a lot of it is managing it's managing of egos it's managing of schedules it's managing of, of even like 
um, to do with uh, certain lines, I guess, between the different discipline, like uh, different um, sort of like uh, disciplinaries or the different like uh, um, departments. For example, stuff like even like color palettes. You know, color palettes. Your your wardrobe will be involved. Your art, your art, your production design will be involved. Your cinematography will be involved. You know what I mean? So it's not just like one area, one person who does one thing. Everything is like interlinked. Mm. So like, how do you manage everyone to be on the same page? Uh, I guess that's the hardest part about it. But maybe for me, like, I try to... I think it's very important for me when I put together a team that, uh, number one, I guess for passion projects, it's very straightforward that we all do it not for money. Uh, I mean, that's not an excuse to exploit people, but um, to that, that I guess uh, knowing pe- where people's values or where their heart lies is very, very important for me because um, it makes a huge difference. I guess when people... When, when there are certain... Um, um, uh, uh, individuals or certain departments that when they're fighting so hard for something you can feel it and it's it brings the morale of everyone up and film being such a collaborative of, or, or team sport yeah. it's so important sport you know I mean? yeah, interesting yeah, yeah because you're, you're, you're relying on everyone uh, everyone relies on everyone to pull it off yeah so that that's so important that kind of energy so I guess when I put together a team I always try to find um, the, the people who are not just the best of their fields but who want to fight for something mm. and, and who can fight for something and can work together that's very very important for me and like um yeah, I, I guess knowing that it, it, when everyone is working their asses off and everyone's like shagged, they have no sleep and whatever, but you see each other and you're all like in this race together, that really like makes it work for me, I guess. And and you can tell on the final product lah, that like these people died for this project. And that when everyone watches it and when, yeah. They can when, feel it. Yeah, they can feel it, yeah. And it's something that you can't, you can't put a price on. Yeah, because I mean, I, I'm in advertising and obviously we've done uh, tons of like projects with like, like 10 times the budget you know what I mean mm. but it, it's just different it's just yeah. different yeah as in I, I, it's very I guess being on on such a bipolar sort of straddling like two spheres of like no money personal projects and like $300,000 commercial projects it's not really about the money already mm. yeah you can tell so yeah the team thing is everything the, the managing a team and uh, giving being able to 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 digest and to give your vision of the project, is this something that you have to learn? Or was it something that, in a sense, came natural to you when you found out you had to do this instead of just wielding the camera and just going around and doing things? That's a very good question. <laughs> I, uh, I feel like I need to go into third person a bit for Please, this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Martin Chuan and <laughs> someone else, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 more like, because I guess like, you know, as an, like an artist, like when you're doing things, sometimes you don't really realise your phases, but when people tell you that, you're like, oh, maybe... So I guess like, I don't know, maybe one of the, uh, so this is what my boyfriend Warren, hi, hi Warren baby, hi. Okay, <laughs> this is what Warren told me, um, um, I, I don't know about myself, I guess that he said that, um, I, so I, I was, <laughs> I was holding some leadership positions when I was much younger, <laughs> which I mean, I was damn reluctant to, okay, so this is a great time to like humble break, let's go, okay. So I was, I was like, I was like a, a vice head prefect in primary school. Wow. And, and I hated it, I hated it so bad I transferred school. Mm. Okay, so like, like yeah, that was, that was that bad. And then um, I hated leadership positions but I keep finding myself going back to that. So, and then in, um, what's that? In, um, in secondary school, well, I was on vice, oh yeah, sorry, in JC, I became the president of sports and fitness. Ooh. So, <laughs> and like, I didn't want it, I just wanted publicity because I wanted design posters mm. and then they go and make me the, the president because they just felt like I had some kind of like, I don't know, like authority or leadership you thing. You said something I, about Tough Club before. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. This is sports and fitness different. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. JC no tough club, but <laughs> okay. but it sounds like yeah. tough club. Yeah. So I, I mean, I was forced into, uh, in a way, forced into a lot of different leadership positions, and I hated it. But I guess I, I maybe just sort of like, 
I don't know, had a thing for talking to people. I don't know. That's so, so when 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 I, yeah, when because Warren knows a lot about my past and as my boyfriend knows a lot about my past and everything. So um when there, there was I think there was one time I was talking to him about like I was like, I'm not sure sometimes why people listen to me or why they won't listen to me. Like how do I I was just talking to him about it. And then he mentioned like maybe all your past experiences of you being a leader, even if it's for non-creative things, maybe that like brought you to where you are today. As a director. Yeah. And and I was thinking about that, I was like, yeah, I mean, which is why I mentioned the third perspective thing. I was like, maybe maybe it is true I don't know like I I, I think it, it, a lot of it makes sense I guess because as a director um, aside from the creative vision that you have um, especially for film yeah, a lot, um, aside from the creative vision or your sense of aesthetics or taste or whatever a large portion of your job is really uh, managing people and, and dealing and, and knowing how to deal with not just people but problems you know what I mean because it's not like you have a perfect team everything's gonna go great when, when shit hits the fan you know when wet weather contingency or whatever mm. kind of like, like when your set falls apart like yeah what, what, what happens so um, I guess maybe all those like leadership roles help to steer me towards a path of problem solving and I guess maybe becoming um, a director maybe yeah I, maybe, I think that, that probably played a big part in helping me sort of like um, manage people or like to bring together a team together and how we can all fight this thing together I think that helped I think <laughs> <laughs> yeah interesting um, I think the, the, the idea of working with a team for in a sense every project I think it's very interesting and do you do you strive to work with the same people as much as possible, or do you find yourself constantly having to work with different people, different teams? Because different people, different teams, you don't have time. Let's say if it's a commercial project, you don't have time to to know them very well. So you kind of have to make it up as you go along. Could could you talk a little bit about that experience? So yeah, no, totally. I mean, for for commercials especially because um, there are so many. I mean, commercial industry. Most of us are freelancers. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, in this industry, like your DP, your art, or uh, all, all different departments. Sounds so, like a headache, man. Yeah, no. So for for commercial projects, one even if you wanted to work with the same team all the time, it, it's just impossible because obviously there's there's so many directors, commercial directors in Singapore. So and commercials we're used to just having different people mm. um, around, and uh, it's just a reality of the the, the game, I guess. But um, that being said, like um, it's I guess it's always nice to like when you do like say as example like you do passion projects with certain people and then like when there's no money you know what I mean those projects no money and then when you get commercial projects where you can push these people to earn money and work together with them because you trust them you really yes. know you trust them but help like help each other earn money why not you know what I mean so that is it, it, that's the best case scenario la. and that's something that I try to push for as much as I can mm. yeah because sometimes for clients also it, it's difficult to push for such things because it's not about the work it's about oh have you done things for Unilever have you done things for PNG you know I mean so oh. yeah so even like your DOP or different departments it's a I mean it's a, commercials they always see your portfolio uh, that's the main thing so um, yeah I, 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 as much as possible I try to make that happen um, and schedule wise I try to make that happen as well but um, uh, I guess that, that's more for commercial side for passion projects passion projects mm, I, I can admit that I do have like trust issues like, <laughs> like could, you, could you speak a little bit more about that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like yeah like uh, 10 years ago my father no okay no, no. <laughs> <laughs> whoa yeah, whoa yeah deep deep dark yeah no no but um, as in trust issues to do with like I guess um, I, 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 I put in 100 and, and like 10% to every project I do and sometimes I have very high expectations of the team that yeah. I'm working with yeah. also so naturally when I find okay like I have to mention like um, so one of the DOPs that I collaborate a lot with what's the name, DOP? oh sorry a uh, cinematographer gotcha like, yeah. um, his name is Kelvin Chu hello Kelvin hello okay so <laughs> a lot of shout outs in this a lot of broad placements okay sorry no but so um, I, I, I do a lot of work with Kelvin and 
um, and someone uh, like I met Kelvin when I was in uni so um, obviously that's what like maybe 8 years back or something and that kind of like we started off as, as friends first and then we and then obviously we started working collaborating together on short films first and then now it's at commercials so there definitely is a sense of trust that I have with Kelvin that I um, I can I can safely say like I, I it, it's not really matched up with any other cinematographer that I've worked with mm. yeah so I mean obviously every DOP brings their own uh, their own edge to the game and they have their own you know they have their own strengths and stuff but I guess maybe for Kelvin I will just in a very unique position where we you know in the same study together and then we work together now so like um, yeah I, I can say there's a definite level of trust I have with Kelvin that is not matched up with, with any any um, department or any hits for that matter um, so that kind of trust I really appreciate because you grow over the years and that's something that I'd never take for granted like these people brought you to where you were mm. you know what I mean and we are all still learning and no matter how much we flare up and stuff like we were in this together so that, that, that has a special place and flare ups do happen <laughs> totally I mean yeah it, it's just it's normal yeah, in, in our industry or in any creative like collaborations mm. so that yeah but that being said um, the, the with with passion projects and, and commercials well I try as much um, to maybe or, or try um, like new creatives because film is so collaborative right so you're always depending you're, you're always working or depending with different people to see what they can bring to the game and it is stupid if I just keep working with the same people all the time because I feel like I'll be limiting myself and so like uh, for like passion projects, even for music videos, like um, when I did a, uh, uh, I, I worked with Jasmine Soko on like three music videos, and so far for her like the teams or the people inside have changed a lot. Mm. Obviously not because they did a bad job or whatever, but it's more like uh, just trying different, um, uh, sort of like trying different visual styles. So for example, like even like um, for Jasmine Soko's second video, we worked with this three D, um, uh, not uh, yeah three D like designers called Machinist. Yeah. Yeah, and then they what what um they were very good with a lot of like very um, geometric or very like um, pastel or iridescent uh, sort of like textures and um, that, that w- they brought that into her so that was a great like like sort of addition or they that was their, um, their, their artistic contribution to that mm. project you know that, that was the edge to it and then with Soko's third video it was a bit more of VFX yep. you know a bit more of like live action fused with like a 3D elements so that's a very different sort of 3D aesthetic we're going for and then we worked with Masonry for mm. that so um, in that sense like those these two yeah these two um, companies are very very different and, and their styles are very different and I guess the beauty about film is that you always get to experiment with new things and like it doesn't make sense to try and like tie down you know what I mean like mm. to, to force masonry to do what machinist has done or yes. force yeah, it doesn't make sense it won't, it won't value add to the project so um, that, that in itself is a great way to work with new creatives and or to constantly find new people to work with and I enjoy that aspect a lot because yeah, it, it's just uh, working with new creatives and seeing what they can put to the game. You only really understand who they are when you're working with them. Oh, <laughs> like I feel that as friends, like yeah. you know, what I mean, you might know the styles and everything, but when you work together and when she is the fan and we were suffering together, you, I, I guess that really brings out another side. So the saying you. rings true, like, Yeah, uh, yeah. And and if you can survive uh, a friendship through uh, after a film project, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah, it, it's for life. Yeah, if you can survive that well, it's for life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's it, it's a really nice thing that that you bring up. Um, because having worked with Jasmine on three music videos, um, I'm kind of curious, like what it's like working, you know, in, in, in that sense with an artist, you know, you're, you're, you're a director now working with someone who also has a vision and what that's like. 
So I, I mean, I, I haven't done that many music videos. So I guess I would just, um, I guess say what, like, like based on my own experience. Um, so I've worked with a couple of musicians in Singapore, and it's very different for each musician because I guess um, different musicians have different sort of maybe, uh, they all come from different backgrounds. Um, some some musicians are quite clearly more visual, like they they like a certain style. You know what I mean? So when you meet them and you get a vibe of them, then um, it's it's quite clear where that project would hit. Uh, for someone like Jasmine, Jasmine so. Jasmine is very interesting because she is, she. I would say she's actually quite an aesthetically driven person. Like you know, I think with her branding is pretty. What what, what oh, do you mean by that? Oh sorry, okay. So um, a, as a musician, I I feel like she is quite well informed or she's quite well aware of her aesthetic style, even as a musician. So um, I mean that maybe boiling down to branding, okay, um, to her Instagram or to her visual, mm. like like even simple things out the bed, like she only wears black. You know what I mean? Like mm. like which is kind of we connected on that level, <laughs> yeah. Or like she has a visor for her face very, is always covered correct, partially. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like, it's a very visual aspect right? you know what I mean but that was something that was pre for her was premeditated from the start you know what I mean or even like her her visual her visual branding of is very uh, she likes her, her music to be tiny very dystopian very futuristic imagery so you see that, that uh, she's a, uh, a musician that has a very very clear sort of like visual branding mm. of what, what she likes but that being said even though she's so um, like she's so clear of what she likes um, she's also extremely open to like collaborate like visual like ideas new visual mm. ideas and collaborations so that, that's very very unique so it, uh, it was interesting because even for these three music videos even though all of them are I guess within the same scope of it's dystopian or it's futuristic all three videos turned out very very different on like what the take of the future was mm. you know what I mean so like one of them was a bit more VR centric which, which one was that? Uh, so the first the first video we did was blue mm. yeah and, and that was a bit more I think that that dealt with a lot more like um colors or like VR like worlds in terms of different worlds because you're like tapping onto different like VR you know you put a headset and you enter different worlds so that was that world um, the second one was Hurt so Hurt was uh, but we, we coined this term so I coined this with uh, the production designer for it which was like um, uh, um, Yang yeah so uh, Yang was a production designer okay. for Hurt yeah also from Moonstone. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Moonstone. Yeah, okay, I'll say it down here. Shout out Moonstone. <laughs> yeah, so, and, and um, the, the term uh, was that we had was uh, kawaii dystopian. Mm. You know what I mean? So that was a very, very specific um, um, take of the future. So that one had a lot of pings, a lot of like, almost techy sort of like, girly elements. I and think sort it of sets off a certain look in someone's mind when you say that. Yeah, yeah and, 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 and that, that was sort of the guidelines for us. Yeah. And then when we hit um, Tired, actually, I don't know, we never coined anything for Tired. So I don't know. Tired was almost like, it was like a, a um, what do you call it? Almost like maybe a Blade Runner meets Colonial kind of vibe. Yeah, I definitely yeah. felt. After, I definitely felt that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and it's so so it's very very different. As in, so even though uh, we did stick within the the her branding sort of guidelines of of the futuristic thing, the way it was dealt with was very very different. And um, it was not just for production design, but it it, it sort of spot uh, uh, sort of spilled over to everything from the, even like fashion. You know what I mean? With the with tired, we definitely wanted a very military sort of uh, mm. vibe to it. A lot of the black like coats or hats. I mean, were very very calculated um, to that to that aspect. And even like that colonial aspect also when she did her mask when Randolph uh, Randolph is uh, the, the stylist for Tired so he, he he created that mask from scratch and and all those things were I guess the guidelines for that uh, when, when we did that video and it was very different from the VR one or very different from Hurt also so yeah um that I, I guess that that's my experience working with Jasmine, um, in terms of that it was cool that she gave um, uh, she gave me as a director so much freedom to explore all this, uh, but she was also great like like in terms of very very embracing of certain ideas. But it's not that she doesn't know what she wants. She does like when you discuss certain things, she's like no no this is not me. You know what I mean? So there are certain she's very sure of who she is, and there are certain guidelines. But it's like it's so collaborative that I feel that I uh, that that level of trust from an artist is like. 
it's like a dream come true for for any any director to work with her, yeah. And um, I guess yeah, different musicians, different style lah. But um, Jasmine and I, I guess after that, yeah, after the first video, we were very close already. So mm. now that like yeah, like if the friendships last after film, they they last for a lifetime kind of thing. So like now heading onwards, I mean, with her career and stuff, like she. She might be going places, is what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get sued out there. No, but she might be going places. Yeah. And, and yeah, and, and like, um, I mean, uh, we, we did talk about this that, you know, like the next video, we might not be doing it together and things like that. But I, I feel like whoever's going to direct her video is going to have such a good time. And that person, like, is so, should be so grateful to be working, <laughs> to be working with her. Yeah. So, like, I, I just want to say that about Jasmine. Yeah. Do you. Are, are you able, like looking at the three videos that you did for her, are you able to kind of track your progress and your growth as a director, as an art director, as an artist? Yeah. Um, definitely. I mean, maybe on a more superficial level, um, uh, aesthetics wise, uh, I, I can sort of see like um, the, the the growth in that sense that I, I think there were certain, maybe certain things that I wasn't happy with the first video. Mm. Then the second video, certain things I still wasn't happy with. You know what I mean? Like, like it's always about how you improve and how you outdo yourself, right? In that sense. And like, um, I, I guess I can see my growth because there's certain, when, when I finished Tired, I think when I watched it the first time when everything was compiled together, I was like, wow, I'm, I'm actually kind of proud of this. And mm. normally, like, I'll be like shooting myself, like, no, okay, this was wrong, this is wrong. Yeah. Okay, now if you ask me about Tired, I can point. I can pinpoint all the mistakes to you, right? yep. like all the areas. Like a good it. artist, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that one is, yeah. It, it, it just, it just give me like two weeks that I'll reach mm, that point. Mm. Yeah, but um, I, I guess like the so, like like um, there was this filmmaker. Uh, one uh, he mentored uh, me for like this film program, and he said like, um, as an artist, when you like how how you determine getting better and better as an artist or as a filmmaker is that at the start of the project you have this vision in your head of like maybe not visually, but this vision of like what this artwork should make people feel, and um, how you become better as an artist is how close you are with your final product is clo- uh, to the, the actual vision like you know maybe when you first do your first film it's like 70% of that it's like 30% mm. is off you know there are certain things that you couldn't control whatever but um, the more works you do you get closer you get 70, 80 you know I mean? you will never reach 100 but the idea of how close you are to that vision or even to a point where it surpasses your vision then it's you know what I mean then that's how you improve as an artist I thought it was pretty true yeah and, and pretty accurate for any field I would say yeah so um I, I guess that uh, I mean it, it's difficult to talk about my own artworks without sounding like a complete douchebag la. like you know like oh this is so much better than I that, that kind of stuff but, but, but this is the perfect platform for you to sound <laughs> like a complete douchebag yes. yeah, exactly wish <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but in a sense like um, I, I, I guess with, with Tired oh, sorry because Tired was the most is the, the most, most recent, recent work yeah. yeah it's the most recent work and uh, I can safely say I mean even though yeah, I can spoil the mistakes and things like that um, I'm very very proud of not just the work but I'm very very proud of what the team the entire team brought to the project because it really was like like and, and, and knowing all the conditions behind it, like every single department just put their heart and soul into it. And like and I'm so glad that that the, the final video was so well received because it really is a testament to everyone's effort. And I guess that like just seeing all of that happen, like I am super proud of mm. everyone and everything and nothing can take that away, I guess. Yeah. I I'm just personally curious. That's it for Tyre because it's the most recent one. I was just watching the behind the scenes video in preparation for this. So could you speak a bit about uh process from start to finish um, working with a new VFX that that has always kind of astounded me because when you watch behind the scenes uh, cuts of, of movies they're, they're doing in a green screen they're just yeah so how do you as a director convey what you want what, what Jasmine wants for this whole MV what's the timeline like for that it's yeah so actually tired it, like believe it or not tired had a shorter timeline than hurt okay <laughs> yeah how, was- how long was hurt um, hurt was hurt was about maybe uh, I I think it's about two months, 
<laughs> so, so short. <laughs> no, it's like crazy also. Okay. Or like maybe two months and a week of like the, the first week being like she meet up and like, hey, you want to meet me? I'm like, yeah, okay. So, so, so like that was week. the inception. So two months. Uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I remember her was longer because we knew that we had a lot of VFX elements. Um, mm. So as in with masonry. So um, we knew that, I uh, don't masonry, with machinists. Machinist, yeah. yeah. So uh, we, we knew that we needed time for post. And when tired happened, it was like, Okay, like, 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 to be honest, when Tired happened with the timeline, I didn't even know if VFX was possible. Like, mm. because it was, it was just ridiculous, as in, like, two weeks, less than two weeks for VFX, yeah. So it was, I, I, I remember, like, like, just, okay, I, I mean, I had my mood boards and whatever, but I was really prepared. I, I, was, I was going to Masonry's office and I was prepared that if it can't be done, it's okay, then I just need to find a way to do it without, you know, without the VFX. That was something I just had to accept. And so I remember I met them and them, and then, like, oh, we, we showed the idea, and everyone was like, oh, cool, 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 cool. And after that, okay, so timeline is this dead silence in the room and then it's just like okay and then uh, like I remember Nick so Nick and Ronald were there yeah. Yeah, for masonry and then they were just like okay like, I think we need to talk about that I'm like yeah yeah you guys need to <laughs> like not to not to be an ass but yeah we have less of a mind but you guys should talk about it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no we had to uh, yeah because because they're also and I have to mention masonry is also very very busy with a lot of commercial projects yes. so it's not like they're all like free and they're just like 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 stoning on a couch all day it's not that kind of a company yeah they, they have a lot of work so um, they know that taking on this project would also Im- implicate a lot of the other stuff so I remember like they went back and then uh, after when I was going back I was just like okay like Martin you just need to find a way to do this without BFX yeah, Plan B yeah, yeah exactly and then I think the next day I, I, I think at night when I called I, I showed Nick some references um, and then uh, I called him and then I was I don't know he called me up the next day and then I was like oh so you have an answer and he's like he's like okay so what like he said um, like what exactly do you need from VFX side and I said um, I would love to have this but please advise me if it's possible or if you can't or whatever like then just let me know because I know it's ridiculous ah. then he said okay he said no but it's okay just tell me what you want ideally an ideal situation and then I was like okay Okay. (laughs) and then I told him all the stuff and then I was like is it possible he's like is it we'll try we'll do it so so the building shot the Zhao Cai Mao and the 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 officers the the hologram all VFX yes so that that is what you pictured oh the officers the the one who playing cards oh yeah yeah oh yeah yeah yeah. VFX yeah so okay so maybe uh, okay so maybe I'll rewind to to how this whole project started yeah so I worked with Jasmine twice really with the other music video so when the third one happened um, it was almost like it was like just like hey I got music yeah okay okay." like it wasn't (laughs) it wasn't even oh let's meet up for coffee let's start it's not our friendship was way beyond that point right so like uh, we just okay me up talk and then when she told me I was like okay so when do you need it by and then she told me a timeline I'm like I'm like Alama like like this is this is like is it the it's actually the craziest timeline we had as in terms of for all three videos and, okay. I, and yeah and, and it was like because it was a month it was almost like yeah, a month from start to end so I was just like oh my god but we were like okay let my let's just talk this out and whatever you know what I mean like like and just see so because a lot of the deadlines weren't set by her as well it was things mm-hmm. that were yeah I can't elaborate on that but I mean uh, let's just go with that it was a month to do it so. Um, we talked obviously we bounced back uh, ideas back and forth we tried to do it as fast as possible and then I guess at that point VFX haven't entered the picture because obviously we won't yes. even open yeah. it's still pre-production no yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. not even pre-production it's just like conceptualizing <laughs> phase. Yeah, yeah it's like the early it's like the infant stages of, yeah. of pre-production so and then when uh, so when we discussed and then when that idea actually the, the original idea didn't even have like the cat fortune yet yeah, oh. it, it, and it didn't have the building shot. Okay, so yeah, if I backtrack, the original idea didn't even have all those VFX elements because I didn't know how crazy we could get. The original idea w- with VFX was something completely different. It was okay. like, uh, let's have neon signs or like, you know, in the scene or let's yeah. have laser lines yep. in the scene. So it was it was things that were added onto yeah, the scenes. And then, um, yeah, so so that was... Uh, and then with that, I mean, with the concept of, of Tired, with the, it was a lot more location heavy than VFX heavy, like, for sure. Like from the start. So the location started first, you know what I mean? But then the VFX, 
sex was always at the back of my, my mind. And I was like, I don't know if this is possible. So, and then when we developed it further, 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 and then when I met Mr. and then that conversation happened. Um, and then, yeah, when he asked me what I wanted, and I was like, okay, you say what now? You say I can say. So, and then, and this was like, yeah, this was before, this was maybe one week, uh, one, one week before shoot, or one and a half weeks before shoot. It was very, very, yeah, it was very, very close. Um, so then I said, okay, I said, it'll be cool if like, because we already found a location at that point. So we know that all the physical structures were there. It's not like you have to VFX. You guys it's shot not, in Bangkok, right? Yes, correct. Yeah. So it's not like it's shot on a green screen and where like flying in the air, stuff like everything, like the locations were physical. So um, what we could add on then, I had a deck, I sent them the deck and then I started, um, in that deck, I also had a lot of VFX references of, 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 of stuff because he asked me ideal, right? So, okay, look, I just yeah. put ideal first. So, obviously, stuff like Ghost in a Shell. Your Pinterest like, uh, border. Yeah, it, it just like everything. Yeah, I, I was like, you know, because I I mean, like, yeah, if you ask me ideal, let's, let's just see where we can take this, mm. you know, because I'm not a VFX artist as well. So, sometimes when you're, especially for a director, when you're you're dealing with stuff that you don't fully understand, um, like, you don't know how long some things take, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah and, and that's the problem with a lot of clients, right? Like, they ask for this revision, but they don't know how yeah. long it takes. So I didn't want to be the ass of a director. So um, I asked, I showed them a whole bunch of stuff and said like, okay, what is easier? What can be done? You know, what 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 are your strengths also, right? Because there's no point forcing someone to do something that yep. it, they, they don't like or they don't want to do. So um, we had all discussions and then, yeah, and then they asked, okay, so then they said, Nick, uh, Nick was like, bring me through all the ideal stuff that you want. And I said, okay. So I said, um, you watch Taylor Swift Bad Blood, right? <laughs> and then like, there was an opening shot where it just goes through the window and stuff like that. So, uh, to be honest, I, I didn't even know it was going to be that crazy. I was like, oh, it would be cool if you can go like see a building. Like, you know, may maybe it starts off like uh, a, a drone shot mm. and then it goes through the glass and then they're playing poker yep. and then they're holographic. So at that point, I know that the holographic po poker players had to happen. So that was that. And um, the, the cat got one was still a mystery at that point. So I said, yeah, if you can go through a window and stuff like that, I was like, can it be done? And he's like, he talked to Ronald and they're like, yeah, we can do it. I'm like, are you? I remember like, I, when I heard that, I was like, fucking kidding me. I was like, I, I, I just couldn't believe it because I was like, hey, you don't give me false hope. Like, yeah, you sure? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because, like, <laughs> no, because we have to plan for it. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah. So, and then they, they, they really, yeah, they found a way to do that. And then, so when that happened, I was like, oh, shit, that's amazing. And then when, I went to the holographic uh, parts. That one was very, we had to plan very carefully because that was a lot of green screen work and we, we had to match the camera angles with what we shot on the green screen with the angles of where they were seated. So mm. that was a lot more like we like have to commit to that. So mm. you know what I mean? So I, I told Mr. like that was the most important VFX actually because if we don't have that, that entire story doesn't make Is sense. Is it a different challenge working with VFX like that? Um, it, um, I mean, actually I've done, a, I've done a few VFX projects with Mason before, like for commercial projects and stuff and, and other stuff. So um, it, I, I guess with every new project, it's always a challenge because they're always different things like for that one it was the holographic was green screen was one thing and then uh, as in shooting them against green and then making all these different like glitches and mm. you know like Blade Runner sort of like uh, uh, holographic stuff and then on set we have to be very very careful to match all the angles so that was one kind of challenge whereas uh, something like the cat god uh, the town timeout at the end is very different because we shoot everything and then they match the angles yeah. you know what I mean? so we did plan obviously in the middle you have this but it's like working backwards so with each shot it, it always it really depends yeah so even with the, the, the cat god one um, the initial idea for that because um, I, I, we, we were saying that we didn't know whether VFX could even come out at that point so the general idea was just that they would be doing this ritualistic circle thing yep. right and then they would be worshipping the heavens and then we just put some elements around we didn't even know what it was so we did explore like koi fishes and, and a lot of this kind of stuff mm -hmm. at the start and then um, the thing is that so Jasmine's nickname in China also is um, uh, Mao Xiao Mao Nu or something like that so and then we were like and we were like I, and, and because uh, yeah Jasmine, uh, Jasmine told me this before like, I was like I was like actually felt like it would be, fr it would be freaking cool 
cool like if it was a giant fortune cat. Yeah. yeah, and then when, when we were discussing this, I told this to Nick and Rondell, they're all like, oh, okay, that's it. Like, it has to be that. Yeah. It, yeah. Cause I was I, and even then I was still unsure. I was like, oh, but you know the koi fishes will be like nicer. <laughs> like, is the, is the cat gonna look ridiculous? Because in my head, okay, I mean like the, now that you see the final product is very different, but at, at the mm. point when we were conceptualizing, we didn't know it was like it, in my head it was like Doraemon kind of mm. like you know, and then I was like, I love the absurdity of it, but like, you know, aesthetically I'm like, does it blend with everything else? Yeah. Yeah, and then I remember I, went, I I went to just go and rewatch Ghost and Shell, and they had holographic koi fishes at one point, and I was like, you know what, fuck this, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do the same thing. Ghost and Shell, the anime or the live action? No, the live action one. They had a okay. uh, koi. They had uh, yeah. I wouldn't I won't talk about the movie lah, but they had they had koi holographic. Then I was like, you know what, it's been done. Yeah, there's no point. And then I told Nick they were like, yeah, you know, um, Nick Nick was was very insistent. Like, you know, the cat one is so much more of an impact. Everything like we should do it. I was like, yeah, okay, you know what? Yeah, I I, I agree with you. Like, I trust you. Let let's do this. So and then from that, obviously, how they developed. Um, so I guess for me how, how I worked in Masonry on the VFX points was it starts off with a lot of different mood boards because a lot of different directions of like what is mm. what, what kind of effects I want visually I guess when I meet them I break down on what are the stuff I like about these references you know what I mean like this mm. one I like the scan line it's very succinct and concise basically yeah. Yeah. and it has to be very specific because I guess I don't know VFX terminology I don't know the render you know what I mean I don't know what, what specific <laughs> render terms are called so all I can speak is the, the specific images what I like of those images and then obviously they take note all those stuff and then they would, uh, they would, they would propose different things so and then we have to work together to like like uh, they they'll send me so when we were shooting the building shot they they started on it before shoot we, they gave that we had a lead time I mean they had a lead time of like a week lah actually before shoot but oh it, yeah God. so <laughs> but so I remember in like um they were sent I think in bank when we were in Bangkok after shoot they were sending me stills uh, it wasn't animated at the point but just stills of what it looked like and then we sort of tweaked up from there yep. so that's I guess what you saw from the BTS you know the initial drafts yeah. and then tweak 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 so um I I guess for when when they send me a draft like that. Um, I, I feel it always helps to not just tell them like not just give them comments of what should be done but show them images so for example like the first building that they sent over mm. the structure was already there but um, it, it wasn't um, like it, it wasn't lit like a normal architecture as in it, it wasn't lit um, like enough I guess so then I started sending references of like different colonial buildings yeah, or different sort of like palace Versailles and stuff because I, I mean that, and that's something I had to I, I learned also is that actually all these colonial buildings are never just like that they all have very specific lights that are planted in, uh, in places so it lights you know, it kept uh, the the all the all your rococo or baroque sort of designs can catch the light well. So I was like, when I look at references, I was like, oh yeah, so that's what is missing. You know what I mean? And I had to learn that as well. So then I sent all the references, like five or six images to mainstream. I was like, oh, maybe learn the lighting from this, see what you can adopt, and do it. then they would just keep. Yeah. Interesting. So then we refine, and I, it's always very helpful to give references because when you talk about stuff, you know, it's like it's as visual people, it's like it could mean a million yes. things. But yeah. once you show six references and this is what you like, then we can pick up. Yeah, and I guess then we sort of refine, keep refining, you know, and then like adding Chinese science or even the holographic cat um, from the start we knew that it was going to be a very ritualistic scene and we wanted it to be very religious so mm. there were a lot of like religious references like, like that we brought in almost like um, those I won't name any religion specific but like um, some temples when you enter and then you had to circumambulate uh, the giant these giant golden sculptures when you walk around it and that was what um, the, the, the this cat god was supposed to sort of represent mm. like this religious cult like god yeah. I guess and then they added all these intricate details of yes, the fan they did, yeah. and all those like like yeah like that, that you could imagine that that was a shrine of sorts so then those things uh, not just conceptually but backed up with aesthetic references came to play of what it was and they did a, yeah amazing job la, with it so I'm curious yeah. to make a little segue on top because um, this sounds like a very good collaboration between you and everybody else so and you also mentioned something about you wanting the koi fish and they suggesting like the Tao Tai Mao and everything so what are your thoughts on a successful collaboration? Is it you? Because you have a vision of what you want and different, all these different people that you collaborate with, they have different visions. 
So along the process, is it something that you have to, in a sense, give up and adopt their, their idea of, 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 of what this piece should be? Because everyone has their stake in this. And you as a director, how, how do you manage that? Because everyone's an artist, everyone's a professional. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. That, that is, I would say, the most difficult part of being a director. As in, like, anyone can put together a Pinterest board. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, any, I mean, don't talk about taste, but in terms of anyone can order people to place a camera yes. here. Like, thing, it, it, so, I, the, the most difficult part is trying to manage or trying to, um, yeah, manage all the, the people, creative energy, their ideas and their egos. And um, I guess for, for something like, like, like um, tired. Oh yeah, maybe just using that more as a concrete example. Uh, when I say I trust issues, right? So in film, like really as a director, you place so much trust in all these different people because yeah. they they really are responsible for what the final thing would look like. You know what I mean? So like um, sometimes like, I mean, I've read horror stories obviously of some directors being just completely dictatorial in what they want. You know, this is this is and like only this. And then um, it's kind of like everyone does this thing, but it doesn't, like the different creatives don't value it because the director just wants it that way. And I guess that's something that I always fear like I will become or like, you know, like that's something I try to avoid because when you bring in all these different creatives with their own history, their own experience and their own taste, the reason why you found them, it wasn't accidental. It was for a reason, you know what I mean? Like it was a specific thing you saw in their portfolio that could add to the project. So I feel that knowing that as a director, you need to give them the space to shine. And this is not just aesthetics, but even for ideas. Mm. So like, yeah, say the koi fish and the, the cat go on. I'm so glad that Nick convinced me, you know what I mean? Like to, to sort of, to, to, to go with that path because it really was such a better idea. Is it because yeah. of a trust thing? Because you've worked with him so much before and when he suggested that to you, it's you you trust his opinions. Totally, yeah. And and that I guess that is the given advantage of having worked with a person multiple mm. times. But and, and especially for when I work with um new creatives, or like I mean not new creatives, but people that I've never worked with before, then yeah, then you will see that trust wavering in me a little bit more. Mm. But um yeah, and, and I guess having been on both sides of that, that situation where um you trust you trust a department and then they do an amazing job, or you trust a department and then it just goes to, you know, they MIA on you or they disappear. It's happened both ways before. So it really is a fifty 50 thing like it and and I, I think I've I, I've been burned before to know what a bad collaboration can look like uh, I mean a, a, every creative will have gone through that like you know what I mean a bad experience um, and it's I don't know like I feel like maybe like as a director you kind of need to read people really well <laughs> like you need to learn to like pick up on things like like and like be very observant on their characters because uh, aside from the skills even things like being punctual on time you mm. know what I mean or like the way you when you discuss ideas um, how how like collaborative or how um, respectful you are of each other's boundaries mm. that's super important because that might be the kind of thing to bite you in the ass like you know what I mean like like two weeks down the road and so I don't know it's I would say half of it is a luck game and half luck. of it yeah no luck because like you sometimes you don't know how different creatives work in the different styles until you, know you mean? started working with yeah, them, yeah and it's not like it's a bad working style or anything like that I mean laziness and unprofessional is one thing la. but sometimes it's all just different styles some people just work better like even simple things they work better at night or they work better with an open brief or you know what I mean then then you don't give so much information to them. so like it really depends on who you work with <laughs> yeah but um, I guess to the point that how do I learn to trust um, working with someone multiple times definitely helps mm. um I would ask around also, like in mm, terms that's of wise, food, yeah. yeah, like yeah. like because it, it, it's very you you can't determine a person's professionalism for, just by being friends with them. You have to see the kind of projects they've done and, and what came out of it. You know what I mean? Because their works can be beautiful, but if you realize they were stomping off set or they're like Yikes. just emotional, temperamental, mm -hmm. yeah, then it, it doesn't help also. What so, um, yeah. So I think asking around kind of helps as well, um, and. 
I guess, yeah, I don't know. I I, I guess it's yeah, it, it, luck, I would say. A, a lot of it, yeah. And and putting putting your faith in, in these people and hoping that, I guess as a director, that your instincts are right. That these people, like, that you can trust them, that they'll pull through, you know what I mean? And so actually, even for me, like, like unlike now, like, when I work with new people, like, I'm always very, very, like, you know about mm. who I work with because I usually have to vet through myself you know in my mind yep. like I will watch them and stuff just to make and, and, and that goes to the, the trusting thing because if you've never worked with someone before like who knows what could happen to suss them out yeah. yeah exactly so and, and then once yeah once I trust someone like I, w- I would put my whole heart and soul into this person and like yeah like like yeah, like, like next up I, I would yeah I would listen yeah and and, and I guess that that's something that I don't know. I, I don't know whether it will change with age though. Like, because I do wonder sometimes. Like, I do hear of like yeah directors being like super distrustful of their teams and stuff like, because of very bad experiences. And like, I do wonder sometimes if I had been burnt multiple times by multiple people and you just keep getting fucked over. Like, how would you? What would you become? I'm curious <laughs> like, though because um, I think I'm, I might have read videos. Uh, I might have read. I might have read articles and watched videos about authoritative directors, but is it? Is it all for a greater cause? Greater cause meaning like the final product. Does the final product justify all those, uh, I guess, negativity? That's a great moral and ethical discussion yeah. <laughs> about like, yeah, because I mean like directors like Kubrick, mm. like it, like infamous for being like, like very difficult on set. It's very difficult because he's a perfectionist. Um, and I, I do feel mixed about it because um, on one hand, like I do believe that, yeah, that this, that the film is much greater than a director yes. or all this part, or all the different departments. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's this product will be, will live longer than us. And it, it, it is something transcendental, bigger than any of us could ever be. So on that level, like I do think that the final product, a lot of it matters. Like, like what, what the final thing uh, turns out, a lot of it matters on that as well. Like the end, like it means to the end, I, the ends, eh? means to the end like the ends, the ends is justify the means, the means in, in yeah. a way yeah. so a large part of me believes in that but at the same time also I guess maybe the more human part of me <laughs> <laughs> yeah putting putting artworks I mean because this this goes beyond film la. as mm. an artist in general you know what I mean like have a, like there, there are artists that have a reputation of going like the, the whole means to end thing yeah, as in that they do crazy things for art in the name of art and they affect thousands of people or whatever so I, I don't know that, that's a, a thing with art but um, I don't know for, for film um, I try to just remind myself to always be respectful of all the different departments because at the end of the day, especially for like passion projects like Tired, you're not, you know what I mean? Like, like people are, I, I paid so little uh, or, or so minimal for, I mean, for the, it's totally disproportionate to the kind of work they're putting in. Mm. And like, if, I mean, obviously, even though you're a director, like, you know, all these creatives are doing because they believe in the project. You know what I mean? Like, like much larger than, they're not like, much larger than, than believing in you. They're believing in this project that will be bigger than all of us. And mm. I feel like knowing that creatives are putting so much of their heart and soul into a project and not just because of money, it's, you have to respect that this is a, this is a creative process that, that all creatives, like, that you, you need to, yeah, you have to work together as a team and respect everyone it's not just I want it this way I want it this way you know what I mean so like I, I mean I try to put myself in their shoes like like, like if I were there and then like you know like it, like, like if, if I was brought into this project for a reason then let me contribute to this project mm. in the way that I can yeah and it's really about value adding to the final product so I mean there, obviously there are a lot of creative like, like arguments and stuff that goes on but to me the best kind of argument should be what is the best for this project you know what I mean it's the best like, way to move forward uh, like, you know like uh, yeah like, like all the arguments should lead up to like say like, like Kelvin and I we argue a lot but we argue a lot because like what is the best way to represent 
present this idea gotcha. in the scene. Yeah. And it's always for to serve a larger cause, which is the final product, which is why the, the emphasis on the final product being um, the most important thing to me. Yeah, there, there is weight in there because it's all beyond you. It's not like, oh, how many hours do I need to sleep um, mm. as, as a director? Or how many hours, like, like if this mask, oh, I only have two hours to make it, but I never sleep, then do I have to do, you know what I mean? Like, which is, which is what Randolph had to go through. He literally made the mask like the night before the shoot because it was so packed, yeah. And when you look at the mask, it's like, it's so beautiful. Stunning, but, yeah. Yeah, you can't even tell that it was, it, was, it, was, it was done the night before and with so little hours of sleep. But that is the kind of passion and craziness that, yeah, that, that, that he had with this project. And that's the reason why the video looks like that also, like, you know what I mean? So it's, it's that level of like, like, like a creative freedom to do what they want, but at the same time contributing to a final product. And like, I guess as a director, your job is to like make sure that everyone's on the same page and they are working towards the same vision. Because mm. the, the same thing, you could have your departments work 18 hours a day, but then all different directions, your final product like shit. So it's totally possible. It doesn't mean that, I mean in art, just because you work harder doesn't mean your product's going to be better. You know what I mean? It's, it, it's, it, it doesn't, it couldn't amount to nothing. So in that sense, as a director, it's so important that you understand where like everyone's hidden and that's your job lah. Yeah, if, if really everyone put a lot of effort and the final thing turn out like shit, then it's your fault as a director that you let it happen. Mm. Have, so, yeah. Mm. Have you personally done something that you, you put in X amount of effort, X amount of effort in and the, the results weren't as uh, favorable as you thought it was. It wasn't as good as you thought it was. Mm. Have you personally felt that? Let me think. Oh yes, yes, but <laughs> but uh, can it's you speak about it. Uh, can but it's commercial projects, lah. So please, yeah. <laughs> so I won't. Share, I won't share, share as much as you can, really. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. So uh, I mean, uh, obviously, I can't say the brand. Oh my god, if I say the brand, just beep beep the brand out. If I say accidentally, <laughs> yeah. So it, <laughs> I, can't, I can't promise that. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to no, 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 no <laughs> just get it off the way yeah, first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, so like um, yeah, it was a it was a commercial project, and even like till today, it still kind of scars me, like like now like thinking about it because um, I guess but okay but, but that really is in the realm of commercial projects you know what I mean where um, you can have the best people on board mm. and um, you could all be super hardworking super experienced and whatever and you and you always all believe in it but if your client or your agency don't fight for it or don't know what and it, it's not as a different direction but they don't fight for it meaning they rather take the easy way out or if on the client side they're just insane then mm. everything crumbles so there was a project that I did like last year which had like the supposedly best of the best people on yeah. board. Okay, so when I say best of the best, okay, the definition that I, I, I'm, I'm talking about is that in a commercial world, all these people are very, very experienced. Like, they're all like top of the line. Like, uh, in fact, when I went into the project, I was easily the least experienced person. Mm. And it was ironic because I, I was uh, like the director. Usually, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the director should be the biggest. But um, I guess they, when I did the project, they did refer to me as the wild card, as in like, like a wild card director because as a, of a commercial because I wasn't, I, I'm not very big as in like in terms of my name in the commercial industry there are a lot bigger names up and yeah. rising talent uh, I, I, yeah, that's very nice lah, but yeah, it's more like I, I, I outsell other people maybe. <laughs> who knows okay, but anyways yeah. so and then so all these people damn, every, every department was so talented but um, at every point of the way even in, before shoot at prep everything just kept um, kept being interfered by the client or mm. everything just kept being destroyed and it was strange because if like everyone's inexperienced I can sort of understand yes. it maybe the client just wants to be a bitch about it but yeah. like these people are like way bigger than me you know what I mean so I can't imagine like for me obviously I felt like oh my god the clients are interfering so much with the, the vision it's not helping them but I cannot imagine what other this other departments are thinking because these people are like like 15 years in the industry and then you know what I mean so whatever I'm feeling would just be like multiple 
for them because they are more experienced than we yep. are and like yeah so everyone was just like it was just a difficult project for everyone the morale was super low um, the, the every department was being interfered by the client in one way or another and it, it was just it was just terrible la. and even with the final day of shoot like you could see certain departments were giving up already um, and it was sad because like I it was beyond my control you know what I mean mm. like I can't go around and bring up the team morale when the final product uh, was being so heavily interfered by a client, yeah, mm. and it, it, yeah, it was so it was it was very sad because you could see all these people were so 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 much talent and so much value to add to the project, and just watching it like die in front of your eyes. Mm. It's like yeah, it's like watching your child, your child being gunned down by mm. like like in front of you, like so much potential. There's so much love and beauty that could come out of it, but just like. How yeah, do you power through something like that? It was so difficult, yeah. It was like, like I think one of the producers told me at the end of the show because I was just like, I don't want to talk about it. And then the, the producer was like, actually, like, you know, you did a really good job. I'm just like, you know, like, you know, it was terrible. She mm. said, yeah, it's terrible. But she said, you didn't give up. And that was like the main thing. She said, yeah. And I think she said that because she could see that certain departments who were so experienced were already giving up. So, I mean, that was, she was complimenting me in terms of like, the fact that you didn't give up is a big thing in itself. So I was like, okay, I guess, you know, like I'm, I'm happy that, I'm proud that, that I managed to do that. Like, if anything, that was the thing I was most proud of. It's not a fine product, it was maybe my attitude towards it. Yeah. But it, it it, yeah, it, it scars you like, because it, once something like that happens, it's just like, you you just cannot help but think, my God, is it going to happen again? Exactly. You know I mean? yeah, and and, and, every, and every time you step on a commercial set, you will just think, my God, this could easily end up like that. And you just live in fear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's just, I mean, the commercial work is like that. You know what I mean? Like, I guess, uh, like, I, I, I do tell people, a lot of other creatives also, like, about this all the time in, in advertising. Like, in some ways, like, I mean, I, I talk about this, I guess, uh, if I have to or if I'm sharing experience, but I try not to harp too much on it because um, I, I guess in advertising, it's very, very easy to get jaded for creatives because you enter advertising thinking you can flower, you know, you're going to... You can grow. Yeah, you can grow, you can uh, do, you can experiment, do yeah. many different things, work with, diff- collaborate with different clients or yeah. things. But it's it's not true all the time and, and, and I, I can't say for different countries but in Singapore definitely it doesn't feel like that um, for a lot of different commercial projects and taking something that you love and making it something that you hate is very, it's, a, it's a very sure way of making you jaded. You know what I mean? Mm. So the thing I have to remind myself for commercial projects all the time is that you do your job. Uh, th- this is a job, first of all. It, yes, you're passionate about it, but this is a job. You're getting paid to do it. You know what I mean? You don't expect your friend who works at an insurance company or like a receptionist to love every second of what mm. they do. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, or your friend in sales to love selling pillows at half price. You know, mm. it doesn't, yeah. It, it, it's a job. They go to that to get it done and that's why they get paid. And once you get paid for something, Thing, you always it always reminds you that this is your job this is why you do it for the money not for anything else and I guess as a creative in advertising it's very very important to keep um, reminding yourself of that because um, once you get too caught up in the oh, oh the client don't let me do what I want or like they don't have any taste and like they're afraid my, 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 my creativity and I hate this industry you keep going there it's just going to turn you to a very dark place and I feel that putting your priorities in place when you're when I'm young at least like, and, and sort of sticking to that is, yeah, it's important and it helps you to keep going lah. just to remember why you're in this uh, yeah, you're in this field is it really for the love of what you do and stuff like that or is it um, partially also for the money you know what I mean and the bigger question is that okay if the client let you do whatever you want but you don't get paid are you was that is that something you're happy with mm. and like if you can answer yes then okay then yeah then then keep going great but if your answer is oh no actually the money we good then you know what i mean then that should be a check on like how much sort of expectations you have of the project at least yeah oh that's how i see it interesting um i think it's it's i'm just curious to know um would the interference or would the 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 element of commerciality 
with 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 any project that you have done would would it dampen the message that you're trying to achieve or is it inevitable mm, I, it, it really depends i guess okay. like yeah because there was certain um as in like with i mean with passion projects even if it's not a commercial right with passion projects like disasters can still happen you know what i mean like you oh, it's can, not smooth sailing no like no because yeah as in even with yeah like like as in bad collaborations mm. will come out you know what i mean where mm. you collaborate with parties and then it just doesn't turn out like um how you imagine or just that so much fights happen for the wrong reasons or there's still no level of trust on different departments anyway, it could still turn out bad so that that one is the saddest actually because you, you for commercial projects you get stressed or whatever it's normal because you know what I mean that's uh, clients but passion projects when it happens it's like like you're not earning money why are you it's doing this yeah, yeah it's like, it, it's like for, it happens for nothing so that's the saddest but for commercial projects I mean I obviously I guess that, that I do have certain commercial projects that I've done that have been great you know what I mean that um, it's stuff that um, like they, they really trusted me to do whatever uh, like not whatever lah, but to do things uh, uh, trusted me as a filmmaker as your vision as yeah. a vision yeah mm. and then uh, it's still a commercial job mm. and, and that's obviously the best case scenario but um, it doesn't happen all the time and I, I, I feel that um, creatives shouldn't expect that to happen all the time as well um, because um, with this I mean interferences okay maybe that's a very harsh word lah, but as in like doing things for clients um, it's I think first and foremost for commercial projects we always have to remember that it's a business you know what I mean mm. and that it's a business meaning that you are brought on this project not as an artist per se but as an artist to serve their needs mm. so because and their needs are not art <laughs> their mm. needs are they need to make more money you know yeah. what I mean? they need to make more money so they can pay you as a creative so that money is a flow so once you understand that that is, I mean, once you rem- remember that there, there is always a business, there's always money to it, then whatever sort of like um, interferences so-called or whatever things that the client wants to do, it's because they want their business to grow or they want to, yeah, you know what I mean? So that business aspect is way more important than the artistic message of the project or more like the message of the project is to ultimately serve their business. You know what I mean? And 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 that, as in reminding yourself, that is very, very important because no matter, like the project, technically, even if I, if I did a commercial project, I could be so proud of it, but then if it's not going to help the client at all, or it doesn't help them to grow their business, and or it makes them bankrupt or something, you know what I mean? Like, like okay, case in point, like Kendall Jenner, Pepsi, and I don't yeah. know. Yeah. You know what I mean? That was a ton of money, you know? Yeah. Like, it's definitely expensive and things. And, 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 and I mean, if you look at it from a cinematic perspective, it's not terrible. It's short, like, well, and stuff like that. But the entire idea or the thing that came out in the final thing serves nothing to help their business, you know what I mean? Mm. So then, what's even if, if I don't, I, I don't know about this, but if that the video was exactly what the director wanted it, is that really helpful to the client and then as a as a creative did you really do your job mm. you know what I mean your job is to give them something to help their business grow but you gave them something that <laughs> created international backlash who knows yeah I, I mean okay la, a lot of things can go wrong but as in for that example yeah that, that um, it's I, I think for for at least for me as a director, I need to realign my priorities when it comes to commercial projects. That which is why for commercial projects, it's always so so important for me to understand what uh, straight off the bat what the client or agency wants and try to I, I understand that as much as possible. And sometimes, and this has happened multiple times, um, that they say something uh, that like once I I understand what the product is, and then on set or halfway through when they start giving ideas, and I know it's not what they want, I would just do it, but I always do something else that. They, they, uh, based off what they said from the start because I feel mm. sometimes clients even when they make comments on set they don't really know how it's going to turn out so I know at the back of my head as long as I give them what 
they originally wanted, you know what I mean, that vision of that and just do like a few variations, then whatever they say on set doesn't affect me really because they could easily say okay to it on set and then they edit like, why is it like that? Mm, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So, and it's not their fault because they're not creative, you know what I mean? They can't visualize, that's why they're getting paid because you're creative. So then in that sense, like, yeah, I, I guess trying to manage that whole situation or how to preempt, um, trying to figure out what they want at the start so that regardless whatever they say later, I just stick to that idea um, and so that the final because when they watch the final product is whether they like it or not you know what I mean yes. they could say yes 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 to everything and then final product what the hell is this shit then, mm. then you are fucked as a, as a creative anyways so you might as well figure them out from the start how to help him like to give them what they want and then just your job as a writer is to give them what they want it's not yeah if you can make it good and you can make it cinematic and you can add it to your portfolio that's like a bonus mm. but you're not getting paid for that so then <laughs> yeah so then you just need to rem- remember that lo. yeah so uh, I would like to uh, trace back to the, the Pepsi commercial that you brought up. I'm just curious to to know your thoughts as as a director. Um, is it important or is it necessary or is it is it a thing where you have to tie a social political cause to whatever projects you're doing to to say a message to to stand out even like in, in this in this climate of because there's there's so much new media videos getting posted daily and yeah how how is that important having a social political cause or a message even to, to whatever you're doing? Um, do you mean in like commercial projects or like passion projects or both? Or? Both. Okay. For commercial projects, this might be an op- unpopular opinion, mm. but commercial projects, um, okay, it's, uh, I guess media is a very big part of society, yes. right? I mean, and, and no one can deny it's that. It's getting bigger. Yeah, yeah, it's getting bigger. bigger. Like, like, everyone's in, uh, like, not everyone might be influenced by the diamond mining industry, or like, but for <laughs> media, it's like, you know, you even if you don't know it, you're affected by it. So, um, in that sense, like, like I don't okay. I, I guess on an expectation level, when I look at um, uh, commercials, um, I don't naturally I don't expect them to have um, a, like a CSR. You know what I mean? Like a social responsibility. Mm. I don't because to me, I, I look at them as businesses. You know what I mean? It's the same way I look at uh, a bank or I look at like. I don't know, any industry like Grab or whatever, I don't expect Grab to donate money to people. You know what I mean? It's great if they do, but it's a business. Yeah. I don't expect the Kopi Diam uncle to give his money, you know what I mean? Like to take their, their, their profits or whatever to give back to something. So because it's a business and I think something that maybe for me, I feel like a, a lot of people always confuse the media with um, something that has some kind of social responsibility. Obviously, it's great if they have, but to me, when I look at it, it is a business as in like, like why is it any different? Why do you look at the media any different from any industry? You know what I mean? So um, that so that being said, I, I guess I have no expectations on that level that mm. commercials is just to sell that product. You're selling the product the same way a vacuum cleaner at Courts or whatever is going to yeah. be sold or a, a food store uncle wants to put outside to sell. You know what I mean? Yes. Just selling something. So th- that's that. But that being said, because knowing also that media has such a huge influence on, on society, whether you like it or not obviously then on that level representation or like social like some kind of commentary or maybe not commentary lah, some kind of social responsibility is important I, I feel or maybe maybe that's more of the filmmaker me saying that or the artist me saying that because it is that, I mean th- these are things that when I mean for me I, I uh, maybe more specifically like say growing up in Singapore yeah. uh, and I, obviously knowing that I was like bi since I was like young yeah. and like you like like watching media and, and Singapore is a great a great case study for this because um, obviously we've had LGBT people for the longest time yes. but in media media corp you know what I mean or like even cinema for a while cinema banned like homosexual like, content like, yeah and it's, well, I'm not talking about gay scenes like uh, talking about gay like relationships meaning two guys just together mm. don't talk about don't talk about explicit sex scenes 
movies and stuff like that. It was banned in cinema. So banned is a very strong word because you're talking about it's not even R21. You know, yeah. It's banned means it doesn't even come to the country. So obviously that, I mean, growing up when I was uh, when I was younger, there were things like that and I never understood why mm. because I, I couldn't even access the films. Uh. And then when I got older and then I found out these bands, then I got even more pissed off because I'm like, these are not even like, it's not even porn or mm-hmm. it's not even like you burn the Singapore flag. So why banned? It's a very strong name. And then, no surprise, even everything on, 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 on broadcast TV also, like, you don't ever see that kind of representation. And so, like, growing up for me, like, and, and, and media being a very big influence on my life, it was strange because I, I felt that, yeah, like, it's almost like in a country like Singapore where you don't see any sign of it, mm. don't even talk about the sexual aspect, just the romant- romantic aspect of two guys holding hands, mm. never appears in any media that you see um, locally or even from movies, foreign movies coming in. You can start to question, like, like is this something like am I like out of place you know what I mean am I different or like am I like not part of society mm. and in some ways it's, it's, it's a bit dramatic but it's almost like does it invalidate all the struggles that yeah. you're feeling because it's almost like like oh everyone has their own romantic story but where are all the LGBT like, you yours, know? Yeah. yeah yeah and, and, and media is such there are so many different things in media right? it's not like a small thing so like I think maybe that part hit me um, very hard when I was uh, as I became a filmmaker because in some ways now that I'm in the media industry it's so important to do things or to create works that I feel are missing you know what I mean maybe nowadays it's getting better the climate's a lot more Singapore you have instant Instagram, you have YouTube. Yeah. So now you have like some kind of democratization of like uh, me- uh, li- media. Like kids can go online and watch like gay stuff like coming out videos on YouTube and stuff. Like back then we didn't have, you know what I mean? Mm. These resources weren't even um, readily available. Yeah. yeah, exactly. They weren't, didn't even exist at some point. So, like, um, I, I guess like now maybe it's a better climate for that to happen. But that being said also, like, um, I guess knowing how I felt when I was younger and the need for representation, even things like Black Panther or, you know what I mean? Like, like as in that kind of like, like um, having uh, for, for, for um, uh, African-Americans to have their own superhero, even though like maybe not all people, not everyone might understand the importance of that. But having been on the sidelines or being marginalized before, something like that does the, can change your life as a kid or it can give you the extra amount to just keep going even if you get bullied. So as a filmmaker now, I, I feel like it's a responsibility um, to be able to talk about such things or to do such things. And technically, I'm a filmmaker. If I don't do that, who's mm, going to do it? You mm. know what I mean? I can't, like, if I can't rely on someone else to do it, then it's just like the kid when I was growing up. When, when, when is it going to come? Yeah, and, and now with social media and like YouTube and Facebook and stuff like that, so all these things, there are so many platforms for you to showcase such stuff. You have no excuse as an artist anymore. You know what I mean? The only excuse you could give is maybe I'm afraid I'll get a backlash and stuff like that. But maybe it is, maybe the point is to get a backlash because the point is to disrupt something that has been sort of like um, so so embedded in society for such a long time that people are not used to seeing romantic boys holding hands and stuff mm. like that which was one of the main reasons why I did this uh, The so I did a short film called Summer Days yeah. with, a, yeah, with a local like Authority, like yeah? authority yeah, yeah exactly I did, I, but that's why I pitched it to them because I wanted that to be specifically on social media like, like I wanted it to spread and I wanted it to be accessible because if I was younger and I watched something like that I think it would have helped yeah and it's not even like that th- technically is no kissing or you know what I mean there mm. is no like obviously there's no sex scene or anything like that but it was so important just to see that such po- romances were possible uh, with Singaporeans in a local media landscape like this yeah and then when my dad showed me the message everything that I'm like you know what then maybe I did my job right <laughs> like mm. the, maybe there is yeah like the fact that there was some disruption maybe that that means that what I, I did well, I'm on the right path lah. I don't know so yeah if you were to hypothesize the purpose of art, would, would it be to disrupt and for people to question? Uh, 
very harsh way of putting it, but I I I, I totally agree though mm. in the essence of it. I mean, the, the point of okay for me at least, yeah. um, art has always been about communication, as in terms of like what kind of ideas are you trying to communicate people. So obviously things like that you can imagine. Like I mean, for film, like the the like communists or the Soviet like the Nazis they did that like Triumph of the Will the whole movie was talking about how awesome Nazis were you know what I mean and that movie really motivated a whole bunch of like people to follow that cause so that's the power of like what film can do uh, if it's in the wrong hands yeah. yeah but that being said like I mean that obviously tells you a lot about the power of the medium as well to like influence or to persuade people and like um, I, I guess to, 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 to back to the question about like what I believe that film or art should be is that um it should be communicating ideas to the world that you feel will change it for the better. Uh, and that's obviously extremely different for different artists. Of you know course. what I mean? Yeah. So, and for me, I guess, maybe more specifically on the LGBT thing, yeah, for me, creating more material um, that is accessible to people on the LGBT thing is my way of how I wish the world could be better. Yeah. And it's great because that's the whole point of, of, of art, right? Or like filmmakers, that every artist has their own perspective on it. Someone might be fighting for, like, you know, like like the Rohingyas or like, like yes. rights of, yeah. And, and, yeah. and that's, I guess, uh, maybe our, our job. To like that everyone all <laughs> targets sounds very very strategic but everyone targets a different area that they wish the world could be better mm. and we all come together and do what we have to um, and yeah I, I, I truly as lame as it sounds I truly believe that that film can change the world so yeah I would like to wrap up this entire conversation with just two more questions left cool um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry if I'm talking too much just like <laughs> I'm just curious to know um, you as a filmmaker and you as a consumer do you have different consumption habits for, for media? Because on, on one hand, you have to consume media to, to research, to analyze, to think through. And on the other hand, I'm sure you have days where you just want to consume trashy stuff. So could you just talk about that? Totally, okay. So Nick would know this. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I'm such a trashy person. <laughs> and like, I, I'm very unabashed about it. But yeah, no, uh, consuming habits, uh, yeah, completely different. Like, um, I feel like, like okay, but I, I, I feel like maybe the experimental side of me, like I like to like find weird stuff just to watch for fun. So like, <laughs> like my friends always like, when I show them something, they're always like, how do you end up finding this? And <laughs> that's the biggest compliment to me because it's always like trying to find all this weird stuff and, um, like say for example yeah, maybe more concrete examples like obviously uh, as a filmmaker you watch uh, you watch uh, all kinds of films art house films yes. I mean stuff like uh, uh, like on a more like lame level like watching uh, art house films at Projector you know what I mean things like that like um, watching commercial films talking about like Endgame is it Endgame is it Endgame right yeah, okay. Avengers Endgame yeah yeah yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. why so do you why say it like that <laughs> no 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 why I'm are you just, saying <laughs> it like that no I'm just like is it correct no I because I mix up all the names Infinity War okay, is it Endgame. the best film ever <laughs> so like <laughs> no but uh, it's, it's uh, good Martin. though. No, it's good. It's good. It, it, it's, it sounds I, so I, obliging I, when you say that. No, no, no. I, I like Endgame. Um, on the emotional <laughs> structure pacing, it was very well done. Like I, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like no, but but yeah, yeah. maybe on on that same point, like um, I guess as a, as a filmmaker, like I I can appreciate a lot of different kinds mm. of films. Um, like like some of my favorite films are like. Um, it could be art, uh, some of them in the top list could be art house films and some of them are like Disney films or Pixar films you know what I mean or like even like um, Pixar yeah or even like Titanic like stuff like that like James Cameron stuff because I, I guess maybe as a coming from a craft perspective it's kind of like if, if you're a painter and then you look at different paintings like it's not just about the idea uh, per se but you can appreciate the craft that was put into it like the how difficult or how like how much effort or how yes. yeah how, how revolutionary those techniques are and I guess as a filmmaker when I watch different films yeah I can appreciate that 
something like like Endgame is like I mean yes it's a it's a blockbuster it's a box office yes but it's the the emotional pacing of it and having the weight of the world on your shoulders like all these different superheroes to tie up all their different stories it's so difficult like you know what I mean it's it's the the way that they tied it up was so well and like maybe on our <laughs> but this is a very very subjective note like I'm very very glad that I am in oh can I talk about this okay spoiler spoiler yeah. for spoiler for uh, Endgame <laughs> uh, Endgame yeah okay uh like the 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 fact that yeah Iron Man died is like it's like perfect yeah like I think it, it's perfect, it was yeah. yeah it was the best it was the best character to die for me because he sort of had a very huge role in the all the movies and then yeah he died and then also ending off um ending off the whole series with Captain America going back into the past was also pretty perfect to me because of all the superheroes I always felt that he was like the most like he had the the shortest stick of like as in the short like, the shortest end of the stick yeah. because all of them like go on live then they go and fall in love everything he's just like in the he's future he's the most sacrificial one yeah story exactly line, yeah. yeah and and it made sense to me that they it ended his story there and I was so happy they did and like on that note it's like yeah they they could have just ended it like happy whole hands just heal the world make it a better place but <laughs> they chose to make an artistic decision like that to 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 do that to a character and I think that was very brave of the directors and creators and it was it, it worked yeah it was emotionally very very powerful for I, that I was time. watching some interviews about that and yeah. they said that ending was always supposed to be there it's great though yeah. yeah because like okay like comparing it to like Game of Thrones which I'm a huge fan of like <laughs> oh it's my a, god it's a bit harder to justify <laughs> that ending oh my god. like no I'm such a huge Game of Thrones fan right? when people talk to me oh this season was trash whatever I'll be like no you know you just wait for the ending I'm very sure they have it figured out when the ending came I was like oh my god <laughs> like I can't defend this yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I mean so yeah yeah so on, on that level the intentions of Endgame was very very clear to me so uh, I mean uh, sorry back to the question of the consumer thing like different kind of mediums like that help to expose me um, to different sort of like ways of storytelling and like I, I enjoy all these kinds and and that being said like sometimes I like to chill I don't even watch like movies or series I don't even talk about trash movies I watch like YouTube drama so like there's this whole like <laughs> like James Charles scandal okay. like the beauty scandal that kind of thing <laughs> yeah. and like yeah and then I'm like so like I can tell you like the last few days what I've been watching I've been watching like weird ass Korean music videos or like the mm. James Charles drama and like ASMR? I don't know like, uh, uh, no, oh, uh, no I, I, no I, I watched it a bit and then I, I moved on from it yeah. <laughs> okay. then I was watching I don't know I, I can show you my YouTube history later it's just like really Please. weird stuff No, but but the funny thing was that I, I think maybe like why I like this kind of stuff is because like especially things of pop culture when things go viral you know what I mean like it's always like for me a question of why and how mm. so when something like James Char uh, Charles okay so sorry just some um, backstory context on what, yeah. yeah yeah on context of what it is it's about it's in a nutshell. It's about beauty bloggers um, coming out with scandals and like showing like like uh, revealing like scandalous texts, like SMSs or like uh, just like receipts, lah. Okay, they call them yeah, like like of each other and bitching and backstabbing. And there's a lot of drama happening. So like for the James Charles one, it was like how there were a lot of allegations that he was a sexual predator and things like that. Like that he hit on straight guys. Yeah. So it's obviously something that I'm just like, whoa, this is amazing so drama. Like, yeah, yeah, it's so scandalous. Yeah, but then when the more I I, I found out about, uh, so I was watching different videos and watching all those drama. Channels, was talking about it and I was reading the comments it was very interesting they were saying some of the comments were saying I, I studied this more than I studied for my exams <laughs> and like yeah no and then that hit me because I was like actually that is that is the correct word studying like when you were watching this drama unfold it wasn't through one show you know it's not like 13 years why it's not like one one series it's like you're watching you're piecing this story up from different videos from different narrat different people giving their testimonies and different chat like, like all these different complete picture exactly all these different POVs and the amazing thing about this scandal was that so many of them were conflicting so it's like one person say this you believe it someone else says it you're like whoa thrown off and then I realised oh my god is the reason why people love this kind of scandal stuff or why this person studied this more exam is it because this whole thing actually helps the viewer feel like you're piecing together a detective story 
And, and when I put it, but I was like, maybe that's why scandals are so popular because everyone feels like they're a detective going on a story. So, okay, like, Detective Pikachu, okay? Like, the most recent one, watch that, right? Yeah. yeah, this guy putting out the pieces and, you know, like, everyone conflicting uh, POVs. But same thing as James Charles. Like, you watch this one video, someone says this, you watch another. And maybe innately as humans, we get drawn to such drama because... Uh, the, the drama is higher when the the scandals are higher or yeah. the lies are bigger. Yeah. You know, when you uncover like the more... Sticks, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, the sticks, exactly. Yeah. In film terms, you're on top of six, but like when you uncover these secrets and they're like so shocking, then that, maybe that adds to drama and, and yeah, and, and maybe for me, that, that made me rest my God. So maybe that's what makes a good thriller or good detective story that you have all these different perspectives. Then I start thinking in terms of film terms, what can I learn from this drama that's happening or what can I learn from the phenomena that's happening? And, and I actually can learn very technical terms of like maybe story uh, story crafting like uh, pacing like, yeah yeah, yeah. Like so like yeah exactly yeah. Uh, pacing yeah pacing or like um, even uh, pacing stakes or even things like a uh, perspective like the, the bigger the lies are the bigger the drama you mm. know what I mean and then also like overlapping overlapping sort of um, like, because if everyone says the same thing it's boring right you're mm. like going to a very, it's a very boring courtroom drama Every, all your testimonies are the same but when people are giving different testimonies and they are different not just very very different but they are very different with very different uh, perspectives like oh he did this to me and then and then you know this person you don't know what this person is but then when this other person says this and he realizes oh this person said this because they were angry or because they were insecure then these perspectives inform the whole narrative of why people will lie or why they will come information so it's I mean in, in that way it's a characterization thing as well it's motivations we always talk about in film like what is the motivation of this character but when you realize what their motivations are then you're like oh that makes sense why they will lie why did they disappear at this point why mm. did they do things you know what I mean so that I mean that's maybe on a more filmmaking uh, on a more story level that you study these things and, and pacing as well to do with like um, when when so the, the, this whole saga the final wrap up was um, so allegations against this guy right to be a sexual predator and then a lot of people start coming up like famous figures started saying like came out so like Zara Larson came out saying this about him uh, Jeffrey Star so okay I know I know all this way too well okay? <laughs> <laughs> because like, you were studying yeah because I was studying exactly <laughs> like all these different famous people started saying and then like um, Sean Mendes stopped following him on Twitter um, Kylie Jenner stopped following so this is like huge stakes you know what I mean you're like global celebrities so like yeah it's interesting and then everyone says everything and then he releases this small video uh, and then he gets slammed even more and like he's like crying however but like, everyone slams him more more and more allegations pile up all these articles are talking about the downfall of this, uh, this guy he loses 2 million subscribers in a weekend mm-hmm. like YouTube or like uh, subscribe over a weekend which is a lot like it's probably a world record and then suddenly he releases this final video where like he explains everything from his perspective and everything makes sense like like all the pieces tie up and then you're just like oh my god and then and, like, and people realise that in the comments they were like this guy just pulled out the biggest reverse Uno card <laughs> like, and then like the, the comments are amazing like like the, these people are like this is the best Netflix series ever yeah because uh, yeah the, when you read it, then you realize yeah this is what people are into like storytelling you know what I mean and and I I obviously I can't explain the whole drama but what he said in the video is just like it's like so and then he started showing all this texts so then mm. you realize previously when people showed all their text screenshots they were all like cropped or they were like parts of mm. it were missing so when you see the full text now then you understand why they say that so like I don't know if it's real like you know what I mean it could still be fake but like if it's if it's fake it's a very very well put together argument or it's a very good PR team that did that it's but, interesting that yeah. if something like that if it's fake and yeah. if it's generated for a PR for marketing something like that could arrest the attention of so many people totally yeah, yeah. And, and, and yeah and, and you can totally use it for storytelling purposes like it's like gone girl you know what I mean it's just like non-stop back and forth mystery it's like amazing so I don't know okay maybe I'm romanticizing why I watch like scan- like cra- crappy YouTube videos like scandals but it, it, it is very interesting to think about it yeah. Martin please share your bibliography as well as your references <laughs> uh, <what? laughs> uh, YouTube drama channel uh, tea spill drama <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, but obviously some of these things help me relax also, and like it, it's it's funny to watch, I guess. Yeah, as in like sometimes being in film, um, it, it you can fall into a habit of being too serious about it. You know what I mean? Because there are very serious silent films and things like that, and uh, some people can actually watch that on back to back basis. But sometimes I think maybe for me, film there's a large portion of it that is still like entertainment value lah. Mm. So I do watch things for like yeah, like just for entertainment value for laughs and like trashy. Uh, more, this is the worst part of me. Trashy like Riverdale, like <laughs> drama and stuff mm. like yeah. It, it, it is fun sometimes. Yeah, watch it. It's because of all the topless scenes, right? Uh, yeah, la, I mean, like, multiple reasons. La. No, art, <laughs> art can come in many different forms. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> have, you, have you consumed something recently that surprised you? That surprised me. Um, you thought it was one <laughs> thing, but, but you, you watched it and it's like, oh, huh. Uh, the James Charles one is one. Okay. <laughs> I did not, I mean, I did not expect to have that epiphany on that. Okay, but that, that yeah, that, that's why. What else? Uh, let me see. Something recent. Um, no, I can, I can talk about the stuff that, wait, okay, no, I shouldn't shame the shows. Okay, wait. What surprised me? Mm, of, uh, Infinity, was it Infinity? Yeah, Infinity, uh, no, Endgame, Endgame, Endgame. Sorry. <laughs> so, see, I mixed all the <laughs> names, lah. Yeah, okay. Endgame is probably the most recent in memory that, that surprised me. But I guess also because, I mean, like, um, knowing it's a superhero movie and, like, obviously, the superhero, like, superhero movies get a lot of flick from the film, com- like, from the serious film community, you know what I mean? Like, the whole, like, the, the Birdman, the film was, the entire thing was a parody of what, what mm. superhero films were. But Endgame, yeah, I think it surprised me because, like, I didn't expect to feel so much um, for something that I wasn't even fully invested in. Because, okay, so in some context, I watched um, other Marvel movies, but I didn't even watch, like, Thor 2. I haven't watched Captain Marvel. Mm. I didn't even watch like like a lot of yeah. So yeah, <laughs> I am so in that sense not not like a total loyal fan. Not like I would call myself a Game of Thrones fan. Mm. That one is different. But yeah, I, I didn't follow all stuff. So when I watched it, when I watched it, and then I was just like following through, and then all these so many characters, right? But the the, the character arcs uh, were surprisingly like well crafted and well acted. Also, like even like oh my god, like the scene when okay, so spoiler again. Sorry guys. Yeah. The scene where like um uh, uh you all know that like when Iron Man is coming you all know that Spider Man is gonna come back right at some point like I mean yeah so when Spider Man comes back and then he's like oh Mister Star Mister Star yeah. you know yeah and he's talking about what happened to him and then the the whole movie they built it up you know they they show you know Iron Man is sort of like a douchebag sort of a character a cocky rich guy but even you know at his home like even though he's moving on his life you saw that that the photo picture, frame yeah, yeah that, that was planted there specifically for that reason you know what I mean and then someone else does talk about uh, Spider Man at some point so like all these things were planted to show that he puts up like he puts up this hard front but he still really would give up like yeah he gave up his life pretty much to save them so like um, they, they planted all these things and then with the emotional payoff when, when Spider-Man is just like oh you know like say oh I did all this it's thing like a kid, then, yeah. yeah it's like a kid and then Iron Man just doesn't even say anything he just looks at him with the expression and then he just he just shoves him in Hugs for him, a yeah. hug yeah and it was so beautiful because you're like yeah it, 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 it they didn't need to do that you know what I mean the, the, as in if you're if you're an action movie fan I just want to get to the end point you know I want to mm. go yeah mm. I don't need an emotional scene like that but they still did that and it added to the story whether you realize it or not. So that was, I think for me, like when I look at commercial, okay, I don't like to, I don't like to segment it, but maybe when I look at a blockbuster like that, um, it, it, they, the, I, I always feel like their main point is to make money and to get, generate as much hype as possible. But if they can pull off beautiful a story arc, right, with well-acted like, like scenes and with great casting and stuff like that, it's always a bonus. La. Yeah, and, and it shows that it's more than just money for them. You know what I mean? Like, Interesting. It, it means that, yeah, they really do care about the, the craft of it. So, yeah, and then uh, my favorite shot of the scene, but this is a swap skill. 
favorite shot of the scene, uh, the, the, the whole film, uh, the best actor, like, I thought, was the last part when, uh, spoiler also, okay, sorry, when, uh, so Spider-Man, they all go back to their different lives, right? Then there's one scene where, like, it's a school scene and then spider Man like, he gets his backpack, he's yeah. walking through the halls and all the people are there and then he looks over and it's just one long shot. It wasn't even a close-up, it was a wide shot of the, sorry, I don't know his name, the fat friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's his name? I don't know. Yeah, okay. Yeah. The fat friend just standing there and, like, because obviously, like, the, I think the way, they didn't explain it but the way they acted it is probably that that the, 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 the friend was didn't get killed. You know what I mean? Half of them disappeared. So that friend was probably there all along. And then when he looked at Spider-Man and then he looked at Spider-Man and he thought he lost a friend like five years ago, mm. right? So and then he just looked at Spider-Man. It was a white shot. He looked at Spider-Man he just like, he wanted like put up his arms but then he was like trying not to cry. He was smiling, trying to be a man about it. And then like, he, and then Spider-Man was there also. And two of them were like awkward bro moments. Like, like they want to talk about it and then they just hug each other. Oh my God, I died. I cried at them all. Because like, it was so well acted at that point. And they didn't even need to explain much. It was just one shot. It wasn't even a close up. And then I got very angry when they showed the Ant-Man on the close-up of he put the, the head on the, the, you know, the father and daughter putting head like some condo ad. And I was like, oh, wow, you put the close-up for the Ant-Man. Then the Spider-Man was like, so beautiful. Yeah, but okay. Anyway, sorry. Point being that, yeah, yeah. Things like that. Like, there's still beautiful moments uh, in, in those things. And and I appreciate like like those moments because um even, I, I don't expect to go into it learning something when I consume like 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 movies like this. But when I do that, it's just like, wow. You know what I mean? Like, it does give you faith that you can learn something from any thing um, as a creative or as an artist so that was pretty cool yeah. okay I'd like to wrap up this entire conversation sorry, yeah. one <laughs> last question okay sorry um, could you talk about times or things you've failed at and what have you learned from it failed um, okay I guess uh, maybe failure to me would be in the aspect of that um, it doesn't maybe uh, the final product doesn't match up to the vision uh, I, I, I would see that as a failure okay. or as a director if I didn't communicate um, well enough to my team mm. like I, I would see that as a lapse in judgment as well or feel apart so times I feel mm, I think when I I mean maybe I've been quite lucky that in recent times for personal projects not so much I mean there's certain things that have gone wrong on personal projects definitely but I won't say they're failures lah. like I think when I think of failure I, and, and I don't talk about commercial projects because like, like yes. I mentioned that one yeah. is, is what is failure for that if they don't, the earn, if they don't <laughs> yeah. earn money I don't know yeah. yeah like when I think of failure the, the I keep thinking back to like the first ever short film that I ever did when I was 15 which one is it uh, so no, it's not it's not even like it's not in your website no no okay. hell no it should be <laughs> no, it really should be so um, Send me the, the I, MP4 I, file later. No, no. It, okay, I would consider it a failure because obviously, like, I, I think I wasn't, I, I, I didn't expect film to be so many, to be so much, to be so many things. So I felt like I failed because um, a lot of the original vision did not come true to the final mm. thing. So I, I see it as a failure. And okay, at that point, I had no crew, so I did everything myself. So that one don't need to say, lah, as in, it wasn't a lapse of judgment with people, but it's more to do that. So for that, when it was the first short film I did, I scripted it and I, I, I didn't know how much effort went to film. So, I got so ambitious, I started designing my own costumes for my two actors. Okay. And when I say design means I have to design and sew and like and like put them together. So I did that. And that was the one with the uh, printer box and the tracing paper. <laughs> so I built my own lighting equipment <laughs> yeah, to add to that. Yeah. And then um I remember okay, my I I have to thank my parents for that though. My dad was super, super supportive of it. Um it was a night shoot and then uh, there was a scene. Okay, so the the, the idea of that, I'll just talk a bit about it. The idea of that was this boy who uh, was very lonely, uh, very introvert, lame, okay. 
okay and then um, he uh, he couldn't he didn't understand the idea of love so one night when he fell asleep when he was dreaming he dreamt that he met this girl in his so this girl is on this boat in the middle of the ocean okay so that that should sound off logistical nightmares for filming right? okay mm. by the way this is a startup so and then he thought oh it's just a cute dream or whatever he wakes up he goes about his life when he sleeps the second night he sees her again and she's exactly where she last was so the whole short film was about this idea about this boy who was slowly getting to know this girl of his dreams literally it. yeah and falling for her and then one day when she disappears then what happens to his life so the idea was that every night was like um, there were different scenes of like emotional connections uh. so obviously this was a disaster of a film to begin with la. like the concept is like expensive you know what I mean so I was so serious about it that um, I went with my dad to Changi Point and we went to like recce location so like and then obviously like we cannot build own boat and stuff like that so I remember like my dad and I talking to fishermen yeah. and, and I was 15 at the point knowing nothing about, talking to fishermen asking hey uncle like if you want to use your boat to shoot right how much must pay and stuff like that and like I have to, I have to okay I really have to thank my dad for it because my parents have been on off supportive about my uh, my artistic career because obviously art lah so they are very traditional so on off but that, that, that instance that one time my dad was really really supportive about that so like um, then he helped me like, like so three of us went to talk to uncle then I remember like we rented a boat like a, a small fishing boat and it was a damn ugly boat by the way it's not the romanticized series of unfortunate it's events it's not that kind yeah it's a we sheltered that kind we rented it for like uh, $50 for like 4-5 hours which yep. is at that time a lot of money for yes. a 15 year old so we rented that and then okay so we got that settled then like it was a night shoot then shit where the actors gonna stay so then I, I begged my dad I was like can we just like have a chalet at a Changi <laughs> point <laughs> and so and, and I mean like a shitty chalet okay not like not obviously yeah. so shitty chalet very dusty okay? but we rented there for the, the two actors uh, and me <laughs> and it was just the three of us because I had no crew ever so then like I remember taking all my organza out, my, my, my dress was made organza then like put with the actress whatever then like style them whatever then we stayed there one night oh we, we went to shoot so we could come back and stuff and then yeah la, like for me it was a failure because I remember like oh like, okay I have all these images in my head the boat is in the middle ocean spirited away vibes you know what I mean like and then when I went on set and then I brought like four of those printer boxes then I'm like okay I'm like okay guys wait then I light my tea candles tea candles one by one like I put six in one box then I put it there and then I just look at the jetty I'm like it's not lit <laughs> like, like what softbox why the book say softbox can work then I do three or four times imagine like just stare at three cardboard boxes and then you got two actors in like terrible outfits just standing there and I was just like oh my god it's not working and I was like this is so and, and that was really like I crashed like I, I, my brain was just like this is film this is what this is the disappointment mm, that mm. film will bring you so we did try to shoot everything with a handy cam but obviously no light is nothing and no handphone light you know what I mean you don't even yeah. have that back then then like we shot but all oh, the scenes too dark lah. so we actually and then like we, we actually shot some scenes where we acted like she was just sitting there then look then they like sad sad couple puppy look kind of thing and, like I think like maybe 70% of the footage was like so dark you couldn't see it in the final <laughs> in the final thing yeah. so I was just like oh my god everything from start to end was just disaster and then I still had to submit a, a, a project for that right so I scrapped the entire thing and I reshot the I reshot the entire thing, which was really to bring myself to reshoot, it means I had to accept that it failed, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I reshot the entire thing and everything happens in school, which was uh which was like my secondary school, we just shot it there. Lor. So the story was still the same, la. like this boy saw this girl, but then this girl no longer on the boat. So the budget was she was uh when he walks past a classroom in his dream, she's staring at a fish tank and then the fish tank got fish. So that was mm. my uh, <laughs> that was oh, really my, the fish tank got fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was my that was my appropriation. 
version of the sea that mm. I tried to bring it. <laughs> yeah, but but that being said, there were, okay, so it was a failure in that aspect. Um, that that it was almost completely different from the vision, yeah. and it was a disaster to film like, on a production yeah. that was complete disaster. But the cool thing was that so when we shot the film, so that film actually exists, as in that film is online. And I, yeah, yeah. What's the, the name that for shot, it? No, I like. We need the link for this. Yeah, yeah. send me the link yeah, later. No, 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 it's not, no, it's not gonna late. go in this podcast. Yeah, okay, I'll tell you after this. Yeah, but um, the yeah, so that that shot film, and then I remember was that when my teacher okay maybe he was just being nice but when he saw when we saw so when he saw the short film and it was incomplete obviously because we didn't finish shooting because I wasted so much time he saw it, he's like wow there's some like Wonka Boy vibes in this and then I was just like oh my god so what do you say and I was like he's like Wonka Boy like in his earlier work and then I'm just like <sighs> and my teacher was, my, his name was Mr. Leong he was like he's probably one of the best art teachers I've ever had but he said that I was just like oh my god you saw that you saw it because like that was when I watched 2046 mm-hmm. right? so watching 2046 is going to a jetty and trying to light things with a printer box <laughs> it's a huge uh, lack of expectations but yeah, yeah when he saw that I was like oh my god and then he said, yeah, there, there are some parts that really work with the music and things. He said, yeah, like, it's a mess, but like, there's, a, there's some vision in there. And I was like, oh my God, the fact that I didn't say anything about it and you got that reference and you mm. got what I was trying to do for, go for, like, it was extremely encouraging. Lah. So, I mean, I guess, like, after, so after that film was the reason why the final year project, I was like, I don't want to do film anymore. Remember when I told mm. you? Yeah, yeah that, was, that was the film that cracked me. But so when, so after all of that, then I'm just like, I don't want to go back making softboxes and like, you know, stupid like, organza dresses. So, after I got part that whole whiny face of an artist like oh it's too difficult I was like fuck you like if you wanna you know what I mean if you wanna do this and you want your message to be clear and you yourself know what the path is sometimes you need to do things that you hate to get to where you know what I mean to get to where you, you want to and so after pulling through that yellow, that, that kind of helped me mold myself into that that I never looked back ever since so that's a wonderful that's a very <laughs> wonderful note to end on where, okay yeah. so where can people find you? Online. Oh, online. Yeah. Okay. So, no, um, <laughs> my, um, so my website is choan.com. So it's C-H-O-A-N-N.com. It's just that. Um, uh, on Instagram, I go by Choan Studio, but just because Choan was not available. <laughs> and yeah, and then my personal account is Martin Hong, but that's where you see me doing trashy selfies and stuff. So if you want action on that, then yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> you can see Nick on my trashy account. Right? <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. Like I Insta story you like doing Oh, yes. Things, like, mm. No, yeah, stupid. Huh? 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 What? what? Never said anything. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Th- All right. Yeah. Thank you for the wonderful conversation. No, thank you for putting up my talks, <laughs> my long talks. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for having me here, guys. Thank yeah. you. And thanks thank for listening. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening. And uh, this is Cosmic Children. We hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode and feel inspired. Don't forget to keep posted for the next one. And if you really liked what you got, give us a follow. <laughs>